Hey everybody, welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Uh, this is a great way to r- wrap up May and uh, also celebrate Word Balloon's uh, anniversary month of May. Um, I was really uh, late to the game yesterday in hearing that uh, Stuart and Catherine Immerman are stepping away from comics for a while to focus on some other things. I don't know how long that's going to last, but uh, you know, immediately the response was, oh man, Stuart just did you know, Amazing Spider-Man 800. Uh, everyone immediately talking about how great Stuart was and his wonderful contributions to comics. No one's going to argue about that. But I always feel like Catherine... Uh, gets forgotten sometimes in the equation. She's a very distinct writer and has had some really impressive runs. Uh, she took over Runaways for a while. Brian K. Vaughn, uh, along with Joss Whedon, of course, did great work on the original run of Runaways. Catherine was part of that run as well. A very significant part. She also wrote uh, Journey into Mystery when it featured uh, Sif, and that was fantastic, and I think uh, some really interesting uh, stories that happened, a couple volumes of that. She also did some other excellent work on uh, other uh, great uh, comic books as well, involving the X-Men, Captain America. Uh, She did a great uh, run on Agent Carter, of course. Uh, Really cool stuff, and uh, and I think, again, I think she deserves her due. Hellcat, another wonderful thing. And in fact, uh, one of the uh, conversations that uh, she and I had involved Hellcat. I just wanted to represent some uh, great moments that I was able to capture here at Word Balloon with Catherine Immerman. And uh, I've got uh, three great uh, segments for you today. Uh, to start things off, we're going to look back at her uh, Hellcat run. That was the first time I really had a chance face-to-face to meet her and talk to her directly. And we got into her background. Uh, then uh, we'll bring you that Marvel press conference with Catherine and Lauren Sankovich talking about uh, Journey into Mystery. And to wrap things up, uh, a wonderful spotlight from uh, 2010 featuring Catherine and Stewart uh, talking about their career. So I uh, wanted to celebrate Catherine. There's going to be a, another Word Balloon episode out today as well featuring Stewart. But uh, first things first, let's give Catherine her due on this retrospective episode of Word Balloon. All brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your continued support. The League of Word Balloon listeners always comes through subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. Word Balloon is free. It'll always be free. But if you want to help the cause, uh, help me get to conventions and make the connections for uh, new conversations, uh, you can do that by subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or uh, check out the ad and uh, click on it on the front page of wordballoon.com. Thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades. At InStockTrades.com, there is a lot of Catherine Immerman product waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. You can get Operation Sin, the trade paperback featuring Agent Carter. It's 42% off. Catherine, Rich Ellis doing the art. Ramon Perez did the cover. Great collection. It's 42% off, $10.43. You can get the Journey into Mystery Complete Collection trade paperback. Uh, that is Valerio Shidey and Catherine Immerman. It's either Shidey or, or something else, and I don't want to say the bad word. Uh, but a wonderful collection featuring uh, Sith and uh, her in action. It's uh, 42% off as well, $17.39. There's other great volumes as well at InStockTrades.com featuring Catherine. There's her Runaways Run. Homeschooling trade paperback, 42% off. It's... Uh, Catherine, Sarah Pacelli, C.B. Sabolsky, the editor-in-chief now of Marvel. Uh, it's uh, $8.69. You 
can also get the Herald's hardcover or trade paperback. Uh, this is uh, the woman known as Nova was a firebrand Herald of Galactus, devourer of worlds, until she briefly struck struck down in battle. Now, with the mysterious flash in the nighttime sky, her presence is again being felt. A uh, bunch of uh, Marvel superheroes, Emma Frost, She-Hulk, Nova, and others collected in this uh, wonderful story. It's uh, Tachi Zajic uh, doing the art, and Emma Rios also, James Heron, Catherine doing the writing. The trade paperback is 42% off, $9.27, or you can get the hardcover, $11.59. Some of the great deals at InStockTrades.com with Catherine's name on it. There's a lot more. Go to word, uh, go to uh, InStockTrades.com. Find those Catherine Immerman books at great prices. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 off, you receive free shipping at InStockTrades.com. All right, let's uh, go back to uh, 2009 for my first live conversation with Catherine Immerman. I want to present it to you now on Word Balloon. I'm very happy to be here at uh, Challengers Comics in Chicago, one of my favorite stores, and Patrick Browder was very kind to... Uh, set up this interview with Catherine Emerman, and I'm I'm very pleased to see you. Who uh, did I do it right? By the way, it was close. It was close it was enough. Really close. More ski jumping, and I think you'll get it, you'll get it right. <laughs> More hockey. Man, I'm telling you. And uh, but no, it's it's very nice to see you. We Me met in, in in WonderCon, and and it's yep. great to be able to talk now and uh, celebrate the debut of you on uh, Runaways. That and, is right. And look back at Patsy Walker Hellcat, the miniseries, and talk about your webcomic as well. We actually just wrapped up the final edit on Moving Pictures, so that went off to Top Shelf, and we got the big red check mark from Chris Staros, and so we're so happy. We still have some design work to do, but that's, um, yeah, that was two years, two years in the making. So, so ballpark, when, you don't know when it might come out? Or? Well, I know that uh, originally it was supposed to be October of this year, but... Um, we're a little late out of the gate, so I think probably uh, it could either be a little bit late or we can push it back till the spring, and so I think that's probably what we'll do, because it makes a little bit more sense, you know, it's fresh year and it's not, it's hard, when, you know, the stuff comes out in December, it's sort of like the very sort of tag end, you know, you've got Marvel, and I'm sure it's the same with DC, but, you know, Marvel is always like, like that last push to get those final books out the door, and so that, you know, December is always kind of a weird month, I think. For stuff that gets released. It's like the last sort of gasp before, you know, the new year. So I think we'll start fresh. I've only seen a, a few stills here and there, and I went to your guys' website. Mm-hmm. But tell me about moving pictures. What is, uh, tell me about the webcomic that will now be a top shelf book. That's a script that's been kicking around for, for quite a while, and I actually had written it mostly, it was written as a play, although, you know, I, I say that, I don't really mean that, because it was tremendously episodic, and I always sort of saw it visually and all of that, but... You know, we've got a couple of things in the drawer, and, you know, Stuart's very busy, uh, and it takes a lot of time and energy to, to draw stuff, so, you know, I'm always ahead of him, uh, but it was always in his the back of his mind that he wanted to do it, and he actually just started. If it had been up to me, I think we still probably wouldn't have started it. Uh, he just uh, found some time and, and dove in, for which I'm eternally grateful. But it's... Um, you know, I was reading a lot, you know, the Nazis, you can't make that stuff up, right? There's still so many amazing stories that live large in your imagination and, and really weird stuff that happened to stuff that you, again, you can't write it. You know, you couldn't make that up if you tried. And so I was really interested in, you know, the the big museum that Hitler was trying to build. And, uh, and then at the end of the war, there was that huge find by the 
American uh, soldiers, I'm sure you've seen the pictures, and down in the salt mines and down wells and under houses, and just uh, tens of thousands of, of works um, that they were stockpiling. So this story, it's about an impossible relationship between two people. It's about, you know, the spoken and the unspoken between them, and it's about desire and, and all those things. But the backdrop is, you know, art and theft and war and, you know, it's pretty fertile. But it's, a, it's not, this, it's a love story. It's a very sort of screwed up love story about people who are making decisions that they don't really want to make but are being forced due to their circumstances. And not just their circumstances, but ultimately because of their fundamental natures. They can't escape, you know, right. their own character. Yeah. So it's, uh, and it's also, it's incredibly beautiful. It, it's black and white. It's sharp as hell. Uh, I was really struck by visually how, how it looks. And, and it is very different from Stuart's yeah. uh, Ultimate Spider-Man work, Next Wave. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. Was it coming out weekly or uh, you know? Weekly. Okay. Yes, we have not. Uh, yeah, somebody said to me the other day. They said, uh, "Well, you know, I, I really like the model that you guys have, and I, I'm thinking, you know, because you guys get it out mostly every week, and I was so offended. Like, no, <laughs> every week, every week for two years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't notice. Well, and what? Um, <laughs> honestly, because. Uh, like what did you did you have a message board for it? I mean, what kind of following? You know, I mean, what kind of feedback did you get online for the for the webcomic? Um, it's. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, we can look at the numbers. I, the thing, the problem with site counters and hit counters and all that stuff. I, I don't. Oh, believe me, I know. You I know, through the same thing with the podcast. Absolutely, you can, you can sort of tell. You, uh, you can mostly tell when clicks. it changes, okay. right? But you, in terms of actual numbers, I don't believe well, anything that we're seeing. I just meant actually more anecdotally in terms of you know actual like feedback. From, right. You know, did, at cons were people talking to you about it? And everything. No. It, well, it's it's a little bit frustrating. I think it's it's so hard to get anybody to notice anything, um, and and not even I mean, forget your sort of independent work. You know, uh, Stuart has had people ask him what he was doing before Spider-Man, you know? <laughs> like, it's, uh, I'm continually sort of surprised by, uh, attention span is not the right words, but where people are looking, you know? it's It, it seems so easy to miss stuff. So, sure. um, there hasn't, I mean, we don't sort of invite a lot of feedback either. I mean, sometimes comments are enabled, sometimes they're not. It depends on how thick our skin is at that okay. particular moment. <laughs> so, you know, on any given day, they get turned on and turned off, and, you know, we're pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Sticking your fingers and, I can't hear you. Man, so. well, you guys are kill you guys are killing me at WonderCon because you are. You're, and I and I said it. And I forget who I was talking to, and I'm like, you know, they're like Canadian shy. And it's like <laughs> they don't, don't want to like cop to the fact that they're really good and that people really enjoy what they do. Uh, you know, yeah. And, and I'll say it because I'm looking well, at you stuff. You're a hell of a writer, and it's fun to read your reading stuff. And Stuart's you. a wonderful artist, yeah. so it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, reading yeah. and getting to know you guys because I'll be honest, I wasn't aware of Stuart before next week. Yeah, because and as you say, isn't I mean, that nuts, right? And it it's is. been like at least ten years before that he's been working regularly. Yep. So it's, you know, the only reason I bring all of that up is it's, it's hard to know whose attention you've captured. Almost impossible, frankly. Um, and you know, putting it online was really for us. It was more a way of making sure that it got done. Um, you know, you set your own sort of timetables and schedules, and then you make sure that you uh, you complete. 
so for us, it was it was really more of a mechanism to make sure that 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 piece got finished. Um, and then you know we, we shopped it a little bit, you know, sent out some letters and got some good feedback back from uh, a couple of publishers, which is really at this point the feedback that matters, um, because we you know we were really looking for someone to. You know, at first we thought, I thought, anyways, uh, you know, it would be great to have someone you take on the grunt work of it, you know, to take on the, the shipping and the labor and the printing and all of that, because we've done that ourselves. Uh, it would be great to have someone else take care of that. But, you know, stupid me, I mean, or, you know, talk about false modesty, how ridiculous. You know, the, the long conversations that I had with Staros about it and the you know, the problems that he found and the things that he felt needed fixing. I mean, they were incredibly fruitful and useful. And, you know, that's the reason that you go to publishers and get editors. You know, it's, sure. not, it's not to have them foot the bill, although that's great. It, but it's really... Um, Constructive, creative criticism. Right. That third-party feedback, which is what, you know, they do so well. And so, so many independent books are lacking that because it is kind of self-published. And yeah. it is that, you know, self-expression yeah. of, I'm going to do it myself and... Yeah, I think you're right. I think some works may suffer from that. That's a yeah. good point. I was interested to learn, uh, hearing your, your panel from WonderCon uh, last year, and it's a very funny uh, podcast that everyone should really check out. And I, <laughs> I want to say the, the website that I got it from is dollarbin.com. That's right, yeah. And, uh, and I know they did uh, panels this year as well from, uh, from Heroes. It was Heroes, excuse me. And, um, but it was, I didn't know that you had this uh, play and, and film background. Yeah. Please tell me about that. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's where actually I met Stuart, uh, although he was in visual arts at the time at York University uh, in Toronto. Um, but my first degree is uh, in set and costume design, and I worked as okay. a designer for film, mostly film and theater, in Toronto for many years. Um, and I've been back to school uh, a couple of times, but I, you know, about three years ago... Uh, went back to finish to do my master's, so I have a, an MFA in sculptural installation, and you know that in a dollar won't get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> so yeah, there's no telling how far I'll go with my MFA. Uh, yeah, my thesis was a scorcher. Let me tell you, there's some reading for you. Okay, reading and writing. Um, it set design and costume. No, or it was, was uh, my thesis. Well, yeah, sculpture. The thesis was uh, the use and performance of the uniform in contemporary art. Outstanding. <laughs> Excellent. Well, book two for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Staros. Tell you where to buy it. <laughs> Bound in any color you want. <laughs> yeah, your degree. That's yeah. Cool. No. So that was great. And uh, you know, I was on the phone with Nick Lowe a couple of days ago, and we were talking about some projects and stuff, and you know. Uh, I've had something something new approved, uh, which Wonderful. is very exciting. Good. Uh, but he said, you know, three years ago, did you ever think that this is what you were going to be doing? And, you know, three years ago, I thought I was going to be trying to convince, you know, first years that contemporary art was a real thing, which apparently it's not, because that's not what I'm doing. Why am I telling you all this? Yes, well, so yeah, that, we'll, that we'll is, we'll yeah, that's my educational. Okay. Well, Stuart, I, you know, we published, self-published back in the, the 80s, you know, the black and white boom in Absolutely. Toronto. and. We had a lot here, absolutely. Yeah, incredible, right? Yeah. Really uh, heady days. Great, interesting, yeah. experimental stuff, ranging from Dean Motter and, and Mr. X this to is, yeah. you know, Wagner and, and Grendel and, Grendel, and all sure. these cool things. So what kind of uh, self-published stuff were you guys doing? Well, we did a, a book called uh, Playground, which was like a punk murder mystery, if I can be oh, so cool. pretentious. Would you want to put that stuff back out you know, you know, eventually? Or? I don't have a big tolerance for going back and looking at things. Okay. Um, 
For lots of different reasons. Uh, most of it is just I'm I'm kind of sort of held together by my own anxiety, and I just can't <laughs> like I can't take it. Right? No, but isn't every? I you think know? everyone is like that. I make yeah. commercials and do a lot of radio production, right. and believe me, and I'm sure it's the same for you. All we see are the warts. Yeah, we don't see the good stuff. For sure. You know, yeah. It's oh, there's that edit that I should have done and whatever. So yeah, I can appreciate that. But I, you know, it, it actually out of all the stuff you know that we've done over the years, it. it I think it still kind of holds up, and we really toyed did. with it because it was God the twentieth anniversary actually uh, last year of wow. like the first issue, which okay. is shocking. And we, you know, thought about uh, you know putting it like reissue it, but you know, get over yourself. Like, it's just, you know, yeah, but you know, it's yeah. I know Bendis kind of winces at like fire. I know that was an yeah. early pre uh, Jinx and Goldfish thing that he did, yeah. but you know, it's it's interesting to see, and it's fun to see. Sure. You know where the art has gone since, and yeah. where it started. So it, yeah. it is kind of fun for some Absolutely. people. And I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm all for a, a punk all right. uh, mystery. I'll you know. take that under consideration, right. there, Mister. <laughs> Sometime. Well, so what what led to? All right, so you were self publishing, and then, yeah, and then uh, how did you know? Did Stuart say, "Hey, you should pitch something to Marvel"? Or, I mean, how did that happen? No, I mean, it's been such a long road. Um, you know, he he started. He started drawing more seriously right about the time that I graduated uh, from university. So I was, uh, you know, I was working, doing a lot of film, working a lot of weird hours, but making enough money that he could work uh, doing, you know, the unauthorized rock and roll comics for Revolutionary and all that stuff for, you know, 30 bucks a page, pencil and ink, like crazy, right? Um, What what kind of art, what kind of uh, art? Recording artists that he uh, do. Oh gosh, uh, Prince and Metallica. Hilarious. And uh, Guns and Roses. Yeah, very fun. And uh, yeah. And what films were you working on? Would, would oh, we know any of the films? No, or you, no? Okay. no. It was it really. There's a lot of work to be had in Toronto at the time, for sure. Uh, so and then you know a lot of a lot of theater. Yeah. Any actors that too. we would know? Well, actually, I. Uh, because you know it, it fades into the background. Oh, who? Francesco Quinn, Anthony Quinn's son. Absolutely. I seem to recall. Okay. Once and also, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. What was it? Brad Dourif. Oh, very actually, cool. Actually, at some point. Oh, wow. Brad Dourif's awesome. Very yeah. cool in genre fiction. Yeah. And and Francesco Quinn. It's funny. Uh, he made a film called Indio. Yes, that's and right. An that Italian film, and it was an Italian kind of. It was a soldier film. Yes. And and the reason why I know it is because I, I used to cover boxing, and Marvin Hagler had a very Lou Gossett Jr. Um, oh God, what was the movie with uh, Richard Gere and uh, Deborah Winger? Oh, uh, Love Lift Us Up, Officer, right? Officer and Gentleman. Yeah, yeah, and he really had that same role as Lou yeah. Jr. in these Indio films. He was like the sergeant and stuff. So yeah. that's how I knew oh, Francisco Quinn. Well, I actually good looking dude. Yeah, you know. Better looking than his dad. You know, yeah. I mean, well, in the 1940s, you yeah. know, Anthony Quinn was all right. At some you know. point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the past. I did a, I did a couple of years as a resident costume designer at a dinner theater, which they've changed their mandate now a little bit. But when I was there, they were in the habit of bringing in uh, old TV stars, or uh, and they would come and star, and they would sort of surround them by really talented uh, Canadian uh, hoofers, basically. Um, but you know, I had Jamie Farr <laughs> telling me the definition of comedy, and you know, Elliot Gould once threw a shoe at me. And, no way! Yeah. What'd you do, to Elliot? I think they, we were all just tired and frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I just read Christopher Plummer's uh, oh, biography, yeah. and and truly was fascinated by um, the Canadian acting world. Yeah. And, you know, he talked a lot about his years on radio, and, and it was, and you know, that's the thing. I think there's a lot of, you know, cool like CBC stuff yeah. that really does fly under the radar. Sure. And, and thank God, like you know, the Chicago public radio stations play a lot of it. Right. So you know, I get to hear things like definitely not the opera and things right. like that. So, right. and I'm always curious about like radio and things. But yeah, sure. it sounds like it was like this still a very healthy yeah. theater world and everything. Absolutely. And, you know, so that's that's really cool. To really be a part cool. Of. And I got to see Joyce do it naked. So how good is that? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Fantastic. That's great. Really great. Yikes. Isn't that great? That's Yikes. worth the paycheck alone. <laughs> oh, my God. Obviously, I can't believe brain. I told you that. I'm so proud. You know, I am like the Oprah of, like, I was going to say, this thing. is exactly like, why I didn't want to talk to no, you. No, no. <laughs> we can excise anything you don't want, except that. <laughs> it's fine. That's staying. Because that's comedy gold. Yes, please. Oh, Absolutely. Golly. So, like... You know, so we always, did you want to write movies and plays? I mean, did, would, did that ever No, you know, I, uh, you know, Sarah and I have been uh, doing projects together, and, you know, we, even, you know, when I was just, uh, even though I was working in theater mostly, we still spent, you know, the God's Plenty of our day together. And uh, so there, there's always just been sort of projects that we've been chipping away at, and, and, uh, Whatever, and so when Hellcat, Nick was, uh, Nicola was getting Marvel Comics Presents together, um, at least I, I think that it was, I'm not exactly sure, you know, whose who's baby it was or whatever. Okay. However, he was uh, deeply involved um, and asked her, you know, st- new steward that had this tremendous affection for Hellcat, uh, for Patsy Walker, not Hellcat, actually. I want to talk um, about the difference, yes, please. It's a big difference, right? Yes. Um, and and but so did I. Uh, but Nick certainly didn't, you know, know what uh, any of that. And the I, past, yeah, the pre-Hellcat days of Patsy Walker. Well, didn't and also or, didn't know about my sort of interest or possible okay. whatever. So Stuart was very busy, and he said, "Well, I, I would like to, uh, but you know, can Catherine, you know, write you a, a pitch for it? You know, there was no sort of uh, obligation on his end, and you know, no risk whatsoever. So uh, he said, "Okay." And uh, I think there was a, a great amount of hesitation in his voice. Like, oh, God, Stuart's got the wife on board. That's great. Because that's how we do business at Marvel. You know? uh, so I did. And, you know, everyone was pleasantly surprised. And then, you know, we got down to it. And Stuart and I had such a great time with that little story. And then, you know, I certainly told this story before uh, after that was so well received, uh, Nick had said that there was enough goodwill that they'd be willing to look at something else. And again, you know, like with anything, there's no guarantees, there's no... But uh, I think there is a relatively large amount of affection in certain quarters for Patsy Walker, Hellcat, at Marvel, with a couple of people who uh, could do something about it. Okay. Um, so off we went. You know, I pitched and it got approved, and... They got David LaFuente on board, and that was the awesome, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, no, it was a, it, you guys were a good team. Yeah. And, and an interesting character, I didn't realize that she had this Millie the Model sort of background. And yeah. really, you know, 
I know Marvel fans have heard the name Millie the Model and everything, but it's really like, you know, what if Betty or Veronica became a superhero? Yeah. And that's kind of fun. You know, yeah. and did you read the Patsy Walker stuff, the, the original Patsy, Patsy yeah. Walker stuff, as a yeah. kid, you know? Or? Uh, no, sort of more as a kind of nostalgia trip. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of that, uh, a lot of romance comics in the house, uh, that sort of thing, and certainly, you know, the Patsy Walker, Miss America books would which you, are would you pick them up in like uh, quarter quarter boxes yeah. and stuff and you just find yeah. them in stores and yeah i mean we had a lot of stuff that had no covers on it so it's sure. cheap as chips oh, yeah. right um but you know they were great because uh, for me anyways they were real sort of girls culture right uh you know the romance columns and you know the makeup tips and <laughs> the puzzles and yeah. the the short fiction and all of that they were real kind of uh old school girls digest in the same way that you know they have the like bunky and you know really sort of more in a British model almost I would say those, really those you know the, the the books I'm talking about the girls annual and I think it was boys annual too and then bunky and all of that okay um I have female cousins that were reading like Tippy Teen and uh, sure you know and, and certainly yeah. all the Archie stuff and the female yeah. Archie stuff was um was do we know like was Stan Goldberg do you know who was drawing uh, Patsy I Walker no and stuff. I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know, and that okay. certainly is not to say that nobody knows. I'm sure. Oh, sure. You know. No, no, no. That's, but but, but that's sometimes you don't, right? Like sometimes <laughs> that's true it's, too. That no, you're you right. Just don't know. Um, yeah, no, it's it was great stuff, and you know she, you know she lived through their stories with Patsy Walker and her pals and Khrushchev. Like it's just. <laughs> Like, it's not to love. You are teaching me yeah. your American ways, yeah. Nancy Walker. You dirty commie. <laughs> Get out of my high school. <laughs> Just about, right? Outstanding. It's, it's fantastic. And then he threw a shoe at her or something. Exactly. Or he threw a shoe on the table, you know. Right, with Elliot it was not political. With Khrushchev I feel it probably was. <laughs> so. Very cool. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, because honestly I always thought of her as just one of those defenders that they right. give a shit about. Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, and, and, you know, no one sort of gave you a reason to care yeah. one way or the other. Although, you I'll know... I'll swear you are. No, I, I, love, <laughs> I love how she got the costume, though. I mean, that's one of my sort of favorites. She sort of, you know, blackmailed Iron Man. It's so hilarious. Turn around, boys. <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da. <laughs> Woohoo. Well, and then, you know, so for the miniseries is now collected. Yes. And it's... Uh, it's part of the initiative, but really is a story that can stand on its own. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'll be own. honest. When I when I pitched it, the initiative was not in there. Nick said, well, you know. It's an excuse. It's, you know, it, it, it dovetailed, I'm not going to say nicely, but it it helped to sort of bring it into sure. the world. So. Well, somebody's got to send her to Alaska, so that's well, cool. That's what I thought. What, what made you interested to do Patsy Walker in Alaska? In Alaska, because it had to be magic, right? Okay, it, oh, sure. There had to be... Uh, it had to be magic based because that's I mean she's really kind of a crap superhero she doesn't really you know she's she seems to be kind of strong but she makes she doesn't really have any superpowers is a problem and she had was it moon dragon or I forget I'm just gonna hang myself all over the place and she had like aborted uh, psychic power training right and she okay, kind of yes, had a little yes. bit of uh, telekinesis going yeah, on with a yeah. stupid claw that sounds right and, um, but that didn't get completed so she doesn't even really have that all okay. she has is this kind of like great attitude and you know yeah. can do let's go Khrushchev <laughs> kind of uh, but uh, but she is magic based you know that okay. whole, all that crap with Hellstrom and the coma and the death and whatever 
Um, and I missed this Wonder Man relationship. Were they were they an item? Or and forgive me if they were. I don't know. Okay, because you know, were you who wrote the letter? Did Nick write the letter page? Uh, some of well, I don't. I think Daniel uh, Ketchum was responsible for this sort of basic framework of it. And some of them, some of it was all him. But there were a couple of issues where they sort of cobbled something together and then sent it to me, and I, you know injected it with the, you know, the Patsy style or okay. whatever. because it, yeah, I mean, honestly, it did feel like those teen comic books that, yeah. that my sister and my cousins used to read. So, yeah, yeah that made me well, the whole idea of that was, uh, I think it was probably mostly Daniel, although Nick did some of the writing on it, too, and I just, it was so, so great. Okay. And at the end, and I don't know if those are in the, uh, they may not be in the... I uh, haven't actually looked. Okay, so. they may not be in the in the trade, but if you look at the back issues, and I was curious, in the last issue, they kind of teased this Wonder Man potential future relationship. I guess I, I missed it. Okay. I don't know. I mean, will, you know, will you possibly go back to the character? I don't know. I don't okay. know. I mean, she's in, what, Marvel Divas right now? Yes. Which is nice. Yes. Uh, that just... So you know, I hope that uh, what I, you know what I really wanted for Patsy uh, when I did this, uh, the, the best possible result would be to make people care about her uh, again, and you know, really make her useful uh, to the Marvel universe. And I think that it has happened. And if you know, Marvel Divas is proof of that, you know, then then we've succeeded for sure. So. Uh, not that I'm you know saying in any way I'm taking credit for any of that, but I I just it's. She's made a reappearance, and I'm glad that yeah. that it's continued. No, I'm glad, so. and I'm glad they collected it because it was it's it's this fun five issue series. And yeah, definitely check out the trade. I, I think it's great, and it's it's a good blend of humor and action. And it's you know, um, I mean, is this is this the type of superhero story you want to tell? I mean, it's I mean, Runaways kind of has that same vibe. I mean, certainly the, yeah. from this first issue. I'm, I'm, you know, feeling it. Now, I only read half, but I, because yeah. I, uh, I got the PDF yesterday and I was reading it. And you can buy it. And it's out on the, it's already out now, folks. I know. Shame on me. But I want, no, I want to catch up because, um, well, first of all, I like, I like the idea that they're, that they're having a prom. Yeah. So that's kind of cute. I mean, that's nice. I mean, these yeah, poor kids. Yeah, it's cute. Well, and also these poor kids, they really are kind of cut off from the world. And I, and I thought that was a neat way of, of yeah. pointing that out too, and that they're going to kind of have their own prom. Yeah. And inspired by any, uh, you know, pre-prom parties or anything. That's why it felt. It felt like to me the pre-prom party that I remember from right. twenty-five years ago or however long. Right. Like years nice. Ago. I think they're a really tough team because they are. It's not like other teams where they can kind of split up and come back together and whatever. Because of the the frame of the story, because of the the context of the story, they're basically together all the time, yeah, and it's really it's it's hard to sort of manage that. Um, but, you know, writing it, writing those characters has been kind of a, you know, there's been days when it's been really tough, It's a, because I think what you really have to do is, you know, you have to sit down and you really have to remember, you know, what that was like, and it's just really hard I was some days. Ask, yeah. 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 There have been days when it's, you know, it's just, it's sort of heartbreaking and a little bit gut-wrenching, um, but also, you know, funny and, and you know, trying to find where it can be lighthearted, you know, where the, where the lightness is for them. So, yeah, the prom was no... I mean, I guess all of it is sort of coming out of just sort of remembering what it was like to be in high school, and, and it's even harder for them, too, because they don't have... They don't have... All they have is each other, 
And they're at an age where it's like they can't even date outside the family, you know. So they've got no they've got no choice but each other. So it's no wonder that it's such a mess, right? So are you uh, now? I know you have a, a son that's about to enter university. And, uh, uh, he's just finished season. grade ten. Okay. Yeah. So oh, he's got me. two okay. more years oh, okay. left. So are you kind of studying his? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> He is like no. He's like the most well-adjusted. I don't know where the hell this kid came from. He's uh, easy to get along with. He's well-adjusted. <laughs> he, you know, he has. Uh, there's a group of guys that he hangs out with, and they they're all they sort of you know they're abusive towards each other in the way that oh, sure. teenage boys are, Absolutely. and it's you know funny and infuriating by turns. Uh, but yeah, no, he's. Uh, you've never met anybody with fewer hang-ups. I don't know how that happened. So. Well, um, for people who haven't picked up the issue yet, um, and maybe weren't reading Terry Moore's run or mm-hmm. Joss's run, I mean, where where are the Runaways right now as as you enter the picture writing them in terms of the story? What do we need to know uh, coming into this issue? For me, uh, when I started, I I really went back to you know I, I tend not to read uh, stuff on the internet, and when I say not read, I mean actively not Good read for you. because it's just uh, it's it's too difficult slash pointless. You know, like, it, I just... I'm not sure what good it does me. But uh, when I started the project, I'd read a lot of the Terry Moore... Uh, Vaughn issues, sorry. Um, but I had to go back and read everything in order. But I, the other thing I also looked at is I, I went and looked uh, at what people were saying about the characters, not about the storylines or the plot or all of that, but I wanted to know if the things that were important to me about these characters were the same kinds of things that seem to be important to uh, the fan base, because it is, uh, it's a book with a, a very strong fan base, for sure. Um, and so that all started to line up, and I really, uh, for me, I think that there was kind of a need to, to reset the Runaways a little bit. I think that they had been drifting uh, a bit. So uh, I went back and I looked really carefully at, at Vaughn's work and at those stories and what, because uh, I, I love his work on those. There's, it's just, it's so fresh and funny and dense, uh, fantastically dense. And that was actually, I spent a little bit of time, and this can sound really stupid, but actually counting words because there was something that was going on on those pages about the way the pages read and about the density of the dialogue and how the story was being told and how they were talking to each other and I went and actually even looked at the word counts on the page because there was something that was more like young adult fiction about it than sort of conventional action comics and a lot of that is in this kind of uh, density of the writing so this story for me is to really kind of capture all the stuff that I love about those characters individually, but to really kind of re-cement their relationships to each other um, and how complicated and awful and wonderful those relationships are, uh, not only for the runaways, but also for uh, when you're that age, right? And how complicated things are between Nico and Carolina, but also how lovely and intimate that is uh, without them actually having to be together and I think it's the same way for the guys too that really kind of 
recapture the, you know, that spirited interaction that they have. So, you know, there is a plot, don't get me wrong. Oh, no, you I know, understand. stuff happens, no. but it was really, you know, it's always been a character-driven book, and that's absolutely where my interest in those in the Runaways is. Well, and the device of the, the prom was, I think, great, because Thank that is you. such a place to put the girls together to right. kind of talk and you know, have a quick moment, and the same with the guys, obviously. Yeah. Well. So... No, I, I, I liked I liked what I read so far and everything. So that's 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 really neat. Um, and yeah, and no, and, and actually now that I hear you say that too, I, I definitely recognize and remember that young uh, teen vibe that Vaughn was doing that you don't normally find, and it, it does it, it points to the uniqueness of the book. So yeah. I think I think you are hitting those. Oh, thank notes. you. It so. it seems to be coming across, for which I am eternally grateful and incredibly pleased. So. Any specific characters were they challenge? You know, were they any challenge? I mean, I, well, I I'm not gonna are, spoil it for well, you because yeah, there's a thing at the end of the book. Okay. So, there you go. Uh, Good. Um, I would say that these four issues are in a like these next four issues. They're really it's Chase's story, and it's uh, there's some not big changes. That's not exactly what I want to say, but. Um, the relationships between all of them become increasingly complicated as I think at this point they're sort of having trouble talking to each other. I think there's a lot sort of going on for each of these characters individually. You know, as much as I'm trying to figure out what the runaways are actually running away from in these four issues, the characters are really starting to have some serious doubts about uh, not only about their current situation but about the sort of uh, needs and requirements of the relationships together. And, you know, for as much as, you know, after all this time, as readers, we wonder what The Runaways is about anymore since, you know, the original device with the parents and the, you know, has sort of fallen off a little bit. They are as in doubt as we are. Very cool. Yeah. The reason for being. Yeah. Or at least together and everything. Yeah. yeah, that's no, that's great. And it is such a different book than you know, Avengers, sure. even NYX back in its time and yeah. everything. So yeah, I mean, did you have you read all of that stuff of uh, Marvels as well? What 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 Marvel books uh, interest you? Oh, I. Uh, Other than obviously looking over Stuart's shoulder and yeah, seeing what Brian's written. Nah, no, not who so much. Cares? <laughs> Stuart doesn't even read it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. There you go. Check exactly. Like Spell his name right. Yeah. And then we'll talk. <laughs> O'Brien. And he, and he can't pronounce it. I know. It's so I, and, funny. I, and I've given up looking to him. How do yeah. you say that? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. So he can't get my name right. So there you go. You know. It means nothing. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> With other people, it would mean something. With him, it means nothing. Uh, I'm crazy for JMS's Thor cool. right now. Very I cool. can't. Yeah, and he's sleeping. Oh, I apparently. know. It's breaking my heart. Man. I think yeah, that just got announced. Yeah, no, I... Great take on Thor, I know. Really great direction. And it's, yeah. You know, I got to meet uh, Olivier at uh, the same uh, convention yeah. and everything, and he yeah. was so sweet. And, it was... and he's got a perfectly formed skull. Oh, he's my your... God. <laughs> he's got, like, the most perfect head I've ever seen. It's fantastic. You just want to, you know... <laughs> Uh, and he can draw. It's so beautiful. And it's yeah. so, and, but yeah. you know, one of the things that I'm, I love about what's happening with Thor is that, you know, Straczynski, it's like there's space in it. There's room to breathe. You know, there are these moments where they, you know, they take time. Uh, and yet it's still sort of character dense and all of that. And for me, 
you know, a lot of the reading that I have to do for homework or whatever, a lot of it doesn't stick, right? It just, like, I just, uh, I'm like Marilyn Monroe. I'm on a need-to-know basis, you know? <laughs> but, it, like, it just, it, I mean, a lot of stuff doesn't stick stick with me. I don't know if I'm getting old or what the hell, but... Um, like the details of... Like the, the details, like I just can't keep it straight. I have to write everything down and constantly... Like I can't... I can't uh, young Avengers... Uh, uh, I can't... Uh, anyways, I try. No, I try, cool. but it well, doesn't... No, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, and especially like right now is the big Marvel universe yeah. is involved with this very intricate oh, plot. And, you know, everybody seems to have their little corner of how they're, how they're dealing yeah. with it in that. Yeah. So, you know, and and honestly, I think the appeal of the Runaways is is that they're part of the Marvel universe, but they are on their own mission. Yeah. No, they really exist and, outside and of continuity, to, and they need to. Yeah. I, I think they need to because yeah, there is a different tone. Yeah, for and, sure. Well, know. and it's also it's like a gateway drug, right? Like it's uh, <laughs> it's it's comics for you know a lot. Of, I know that our our local shop. You know, I was trying to to Brahm about it, and he said, uh, which is heroes. Cool. London, Ontario. Actually, yeah, by all it's a means. fantastic shop. Very cool. Um, but they, you know, they did a really good trade in uh, in the in the digest formats with kids. You know, like really yes. popular and popular with the schools too, and all of that. It really uh, does exist in kind of a, a world of its own. You know, it crosses over periodically. Iron Man shows up, and you know, and then everyone quickly forgets about it. So, which is fine by me, um, but there was there's something about Thor that you know it really uh, it really you know the details of it are really really stick with me, and I think it is because the characters are so strong and I really care. And then you know you've got Loki. I love that that moment where they get arrested and and Loki's sitting on the the couch like in the cop shop reading the magazine, and I just it's just lovely. So <laughs> really true. great. So but yeah, Thor and. Uh, you know, all this stuff for homework, too, which sort of takes the gloss off of it a little bit for me. Yeah, you know? that's required reading. Yeah, and you're reading for comprehension, too, which is sure. just brutal some days. Uh, but I've started to read Pluto, which everyone is nuts for. Uh, What's Pluto? Uh, it's like the Astro Boy Redux. Oh, wow. Thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, although there's like a that. Swiss firefighting robot. I don't know. Interesting. I'll get there. So, <laughs> But, I, you know, I just, lots of... Bits and pieces. I just finished Faith Aaron Hicks' Ward Ellesmere, which is a lovely, uh, lovely teen book that has a great surprise at the end where everything sort of makes sense suddenly backwards, which is I always quite enjoy. Um, Iron Walk Jan, which is like a, I, get, I don't know if it's Korean cooking comic. Oh, I think something. I have heard about that. Okay. I'm nuts for that too. I'm nuts for the cooking comics. Wow. So. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I really like Fractions Uncanny, too, right now. Very I think cool. that's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it looks nice. Greg Land and his oh. fitness models, you know. <laughs> so, uh, who are you using this week? Do you, because, and you have David, you have David doing covers, and, mm-hmm. you, um, and forgive me, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the Runaways artist. Uh, Sarah Pichelli. Yes. I, sh- tell, I should have said. And, and please tell me about Sarah, because it seems like David as well, they have, they have similar styles, and... And I wonder if was that by choice of, of Nick putting you guys together? Is Nick editing? You yeah, guys? yeah, okay. he is. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think that there's been, you know, certainly uh, CB is uh, fully responsible. Two thumbs up. 
there's been an influx of uh, uh, some Spanish artists and also uh, Sarah's Italian um, and Emma Rios, I think, is coming along too. Yeah, there's a certain kind of lightness about both of them, and I yeah. I like too that it's uh, it's not like like sort of manga esque. Like there's with Sarah's stuff, it's very kind of light and open. Uh, you know, the framework is very open. There's a lot of interior space in her figures, which I really like. Um, it's very kind of light on its feet, Absolutely. which is nice. Yeah. So it's a little bit girly, which I really like a lot, yeah, and, a good and it's one. appropriate. No, I, it is yeah. appropriate. No, I definitely. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it, felt, and it feels like a young teen book. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So yeah. Without you know. being like uh, a twist on, you know, the Japanese books or all of that. I would agree. You know? No, I would agree. So I'm happy with that. And Christina Strain, the colors are there's something very sort of uh, intimate about the way she's coloring it, which is. Uh, it's it's all coming together really well. I know that Nick is really happy. So, and I think uh, if I'm not totally speaking out of turn, this other thing that's coming on, uh, which I'm not gonna, uh, but I no think it may be also with Sarah, which would make me very very oh, happy. Oh, very nice. So we'll see. When would they be announcing that, or is that months and months away? Uh, well, it's been approved, but I don't know. I mean, okay. it, until something gets scheduled, you know, there's nothing. To right, do. I understand that. Yeah. Um, so. Are you doing other? Are you, you, I don't even know if it was when we started recording or by the before we started recording. You mentioned yeah, you'll be doing the Toronto show in August. Yes, yeah, cool. Toronto in August, and then Baltimore too. I think. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. And you're here in Chicago doing something fun, and uh, I, I, I want to acknowledge it because, and I'll, and I'll be by tomorrow, and we might even do a little add-on at the end, and maybe we'll get you. Because I haven't talked enough. Well, no, 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 this has been great, and, and honestly, and, I, and really, I appreciate it, because I know I know that you're shy, and I, oh, well, and I you know. I'm going to say reserved. Right, there you go. Well, It's but, not false modesty, but, though. No, but you've been you've been very forthcoming yeah. in, in your comments, and it is, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but now talk about what you're doing uh, this weekend here in Chicago. Uh, I'm here at Challengers Comics in Chicago, uh, signing. It's the Hellcat Cookout. Yes. So it's uh, <laughs> it's the big celebration of the Hellcat trade in the first issue of Runaways and hamburgers and hot dogs for uh, the Anti Cruelty Society, I believe is is what it's called. Fine so charity. I'm not. Is is I, I, it, I got my dog from there, and, and Patrick is actually like showing up real quick. You want to talk about the cookout for Hellcat? Yeah, this is gonna be a blast. I mean, it just makes so much sense to pair uh, such a strong animalistic yet feminine heroine with the anti-cruelty society because it's it's just so much fun and they she saves and rescues people they save and rescue pets it's perfect <laughs> we couldn't be better with the cohesion and i and i understand you were really looking forward to uh, grilling yourself and absolutely uh, but i know there's a liability so sadly you're gonna have to keep you in, you know oh is that true when, when we pitched this idea Catherine said yeah i'll gladly flip burgers for charity like no you're the guest you don't you don't cook you you eat you talk you're not his eyes are full of fear to, at to, this point. To, uh, work, yeah. but in regards to cooking, we do have something for you for tomorrow, but that'll have to wait. Okay. Oh, sorry. Dear. All right. Well, All right. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry. It's not fair to me for, to tease people. Uh, listen, <laughs> cover your ears, and I'll tell people what it is on the radio. Well, and we'll do it. We'll you know we'll do a wrap up uh, at the end of the day or something. There like we that. go. Get, Excellent. Get Excellent. A post script. Perfect. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, you know, in case in, for whatever reasons that we don't do it, I will thank you for our conversation well, now. Thank you so much. It, it, a true, a true pleasure. Right. And and really, congratulations. You know, Patsy Walker's been great. The Runaways run has just begun, and we'll look forward to uh, it's uh, four or five issues. Five issues. Uh, this first uh, set is four. Four issues. Okay. Yes. Excellent. All from Marvel Comics. 
Paul from Catherine Neiman, and thank you for uh, for talking and, and then allowing me to murder your last name. Uh, I want to throw one more thing in. Please. The whole reason we're doing this is Patsy Walker Hellcat was both Dal and my favorite book of 2008. And when we saw it come out in trade, we figured we have to do something to get it out. And I think as I was uh, typing my email to you, Dal and I were talking, the ideas for what we want to do, that's why it was... You want to come out for a signing? Then wait, no, cookout. And then it just it, you got you got one. She got an email of my conversation with Dal saying, like from the beginning, it was want to do something that's like no, wait, this is what it's going to be. As it was happening, we were typing as well. So thank you so much for coming out. We're, we love your work. We're super excited for One Away. So far, the first issue was great, and yeah, we just love the book so much. We had to celebrate it somehow. And you know, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll link. And really, Patrick, I'll even let you you know post the podcast up on the site because I'd love to have people see the pictures and everything. I mean, these these are great events that Patrick has at Challengers, and people really do come out and support it. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll give you a wrap up uh, at the end of this podcast. I guess it's best to uh, keep things going in uh, chronological order here. So uh, let's go move on to our next conversation with Catherine. Uh, this one, I'm looking here to make sure uh, I got the uh, date right. Uh, this will be from their uh, San Diego Comic-Con Spotlight. Well, this was back, uh, done in July, but I posted it in August of 2010. Uh, they asked me to moderate uh, their panel, their Spotlight panel, which was a ridiculously nice, uh, you know, ask on their part to do it. Um, we talk about their first joint project together, Playground, a punk rock murder mystery. Uh, subsequent work for Vortex, Caliber, and Revolutionary Comics. Uh, they go in-depth about their new graphic novel, Moving Pictures. I loved that book. Oh, my God. It was so excellent. Great World War II story. Um, and then also uh, another co- collaboration they did uh, called Russian Olive to Red King. We went into it further, I think, with uh, Stuart, and that might be in our next episode. But, um, yeah, she talks about Harold's as well, her Shamrock story in Girls Comics that Colleen Coover drew. And... Um, Talks about her work as well with uh, Runaways uh, and Sarah Pichelli. Hellcat as well. More talk about that with uh, David LaFuente. Uh, pretty neat stuff. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy uh, hearing this spotlight panel with uh, Catherine and Stuart Immerman. Now on Word Balloon. Good morning. Thank you very much for coming to this wonderful panel. My name is John Sutras. I do a podcast called Word Balloon. And uh, I, it's my pleasure to uh, be here today on this spotlight of uh, Catherine and Stuart Immerman. You can clap your So, please, please. Oh, that's all right. Not at all. So this is very exciting for me, and we, we've got a lot to cover. But uh, before we get started, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, someone here from, from Comic-Con, uh, Mr. Gary Sassaman, who has a, a great uh, presentation that he would like to uh, do. Here's Gary. Hi, everybody. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Catherine. I'm very honored to have you here, the special guest this year. And my question to you, Stuart, is how long have you been professionally drawing comics? Uh, I think my first paying job was in nine, uh, 1989, and that was for uh, Revolutionary Comics. They were doing a series of uh, unauthorized rock and roll biographies. And I, uh, I had the pleasure and the notoriety to uh, be on the, the Guns N' Roses. The Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Actually, I'm trying to get them all myself. I'm here today on behalf of Comic-Con to honor your over 20 years in the industry with so Comic-Con Tank Pot Award for Achievement Comic Arts. Yay! Fantastic. Very cool. Look at that. Isn't that cool? 
Outstanding. That's like a real part of me. It is a real part of it. That's wonderful. That's like uh, when George Carlin in one of his old 70s uh, concerts got presented with the uh, Grammy, like at the concert. So, so this is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Wonderful. Wow. Well, well, so, yeah. Just do the rest of the hour on this. Absolutely. Yeah, really. <laughs> like a TLC. Now, how do you make that statue? That's very impressive, actually. No, um, you know, you mentioned revo- <laughs> you mentioned revolutionary comics. Yes, um, and yes, Guns N' Roses. What were some of the other bands? Uh, uh, Two Live Crew, uh, Sweet Prince, uh, uh, Motorhead. The Beatles. The Beatles. Yes, the Beatles. Cool. Which, uh, reprinted recently. Now that's got to be worth something on eBay. That's I, cool. I, I couldn't say exactly. <laughs> they and they reprinted it recently. Yeah, I think just uh, just last year. Wow. So there was a there was a. I mean, normally these issues would be single issues. Sure, I remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, they they had a year long a twelve issue uh, plan for the Beatles, so it was uh, an ongoing story. There's a lot to tell, and then there were uh, supplementary uh, sort of uh, uh, backup stories that that uh, happened at the end of each issue, and and I did one of those. Excellent. Now, when when did the two of you get together? Uh, before Revolutionary Comics. Yes, yes. Because, yes, the origin starts before this. Uh, we met um, about two weeks into our first year of university at uh, York University in Toronto. Um, and uh, I went on to graduate, and Stuart went on. Um, he lasted about a year, and that was, uh, that was about it. So it's been what that was like. Like you, I can't believe it. Every time I talk to John, he makes me say things that I don't want to say. Oh, I hope that. And it's going to happen again. So that would have been 1986. That's okay. So it's been 24 years. My God. Well, you, you, you wear it well. Aww. Both of you wear it well. Isn't that great? Well, what I, and the reason why I asked, too, is because um, the, one of the first things you guys did together was back during that wonderful, creative black-and-white era of the 80s, and there were so many interesting and very singular products coming out, and you guys were a part of that. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, Toronto in particular was one of the hotbeds of, of uh, the independent uh, black-and-white movement, and uh, Vortex Comics was based there. Uh, Andromeda Publishing was uh, based in Toronto, uh, and they were... You know, Diamonds Competition in Canada. Okay. Uh, but they had international distribution as well. So it was very, uh, very local and very easy for us to uh, approach a publisher like Vortex or uh, do things ourselves, which is what we eventually uh, ended up doing. Um, but, uh, you know, Chester Brown was doing his uh, Yummy for Minicons at that time, and uh, Seth was working on uh, Mr. X for. Uh, Bill Vortex. Yeah. Deep Otter, too, right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So um, so there were all kinds of things going on, uh, loads of other stuff as well. Uh, so it seemed very easy and very accessible for, for uh, someone like uh, me and Catherine, uh, who had no experience in comics and no experience in uh, distribution or, or uh, any kind of aspect of the industry, just to go in with both feet. So this was 88. 88. We... Uh, yeah. uh, like I said, we just dove in and uh, uh, we, we uh, cobbled together this, this story uh, called Playground, which you can describe if you care to. Uh, but, uh, and we thought we'd do uh, a number of issues uh, of this comic, but uh, in order to help us get distribution uh, and seem more like a real company, we also solicited uh, help from our friends to do an anthology book that would be published alongside. 
that's all true. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, but there, you know, Playground was a, I always hate to describe it because it sounds like the most pretentious product ever, but yeah, it was a punk murder mystery, and I'm so sorry. Uh, I came by on. I was 18. Oh Come on, it was the time. It's it was cool. like, yeah, it was 1989. It's totally not It's not like it was Acid Wash Jeans issue one or something like that. You know, it's okay. Are you sure? <laughs> the things that we're not telling you. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, but like Stuart said, I mean, it was just, it seemed possible at the time. And I remember when, when you left school. Um, you had to bring that up again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had no idea what was... I mean, I went on to design for film and television for a number of years uh, after I graduated, but when Stuart left and... Uh, I mean, And I, I said, I wanted to make comedy. Yeah, and I didn't... And that was fine. I didn't have a... But I didn't have a problem with it, but I didn't even know what that meant, you know? Like, it's... It didn't... It was this completely abstract... Didn't feel like thing. a full-time thing or... Well, I didn't even know how that, how that might happen. Okay. Like what what that would actually look like. And, you know, what that ended up looking like for, for many years was, uh, you know, you went on to work for every possible small publisher, uh, both extant and extinct now, um, for very little money uh, and, you know, no, no residuals and no rights. Uh, and that is not meant to sound like a complaint at all because at the time you had a choice of, I mean, there was Caliber and there was Vortex and there was Revolutionary. Um, Stewart did uh, the never released uh, unauthorized. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, but <laughs> <laughs> she's choked up even thinking about it. Obviously, it's quite all right. There was a company called Innovation that did Hero Lines and some other things. <coughs> they, they, uh, I guess they had at one point the at one point they had the rights to do uh, the comic adaptation of the film. I don't think they had the rights. <laughs> well, 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 I'll come to that. We're here. You're here. Don't worry. <laughs> the film of Stephen King's Lawnmower Man story. Oh, yes. And, uh, and uh, Jeff Fahey and, uh, and Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Absolutely. Great, great movie. So I, I, great CGI effects and everything. I, I, That's got to be I an artist's dream. I never saw it, and I never saw any uh, promotion for it. I had to dig How? out my own reference on, on these guys. And this is, of course, pre-internet. So yes, I was going to say. How do you had to buy eight by ten glossies at a, a film <laughs> novelty? Uh, <store. laughs> wow, so, uh, that was the way it was. And I had, uh, I had the script, and it was, uh, as far as I knew, accurate to the movie. But I, I had no way of finding it. Uh, and I worked for a year on it, and then it turned out that the the rights had expired, or they never existed, and they they uh, they never did publish it. Are they the ones that sent all the pornography? Can I do that? <laughs> uh, should I actually assent to that? Yeah, there was that, mm-hmm. right? It was, uh, they sent all this uh, reference material. Reference material Refer- and air quotes. Uh, for, I guess, the way they wanted the, the women models or, or something. And it was like, That was for hero one. Right. And it was uh, this huge packet of pornography. And, and <laughs> so we had to call them and say, you know, please don't do that because you know, we'll be on the tour. There are customs laws against that. That's a good point. Well, yes, international law, absolutely. And that was also at a time when there had been a number of big sting operations in Toronto. Uh, Omaha oh. Cat Dancer was one of the big ones. And there were lawsuits and, and also, uh, was it Little... Is it, is it uh, Little Sisters, the lesbian bookstore, was also embroiled with American customs at that time okay. uh, for similar materials. So it just... Uh, what a nightmare. 
Well, beyond beyond the uh, the stuff that you guys did together, black and white, Catherine, when did your other comic writing? Is it really like within the last few years? Or? Um, no, not really. Yeah, I was going to say. It's been ongoing for the last, well, since we, we've known each other. Um, you, you, wanted, you wanted to make comics uh, yeah. of your own at the same time that you were <clears throat> doing this work uh, and wanted me to write something for you. Uh, my... My degree is in theater design. Uh, you know, it's a heavily, heavily text-based discipline. Uh, writing was always sort of an interest, so I said, okay. Um, and we did this thing together, and then Caliber Press uh, picked, picked up Playground. Okay. Right, and did uh, one more one more issue uh, on top of the ones that we self-published. So in between then and now, there's just been uh, a lot of small projects that have been slotted in between... Um, just the other work that I was doing, um, which has just sort of been one thing that follows on. I mean, it's it, all the jobs up till now for me, uh, regardless of the, the medium, it's freelance work, right? So it's not anything that you ever apply for or get a job in a conventional way. It's just one project leads to another, leads to another. Um, so, you know, I had done some Captain America work uh, for Marvel, and also uh, Mutant X when it was uh, the TV show and they, some, they released some books and uh, so there were those two things and those were a couple of years apart uh, and then the Hellcat uh, Marvel Comics Presents was relaunched and um, so we did the Hellcat thing which led to the Hellcat miniseries which led to the uh, yeah so that's just you know that's what I'm and I don't mean to sound ungrateful I am you know thrilled and I love Marvel and they are you know it's just uh, they're terrific gang to work for but it's just been sort of a, a rolling stone and so you know I'll do it as long as I keep asking well and you know we just wrapped up Heralds that's right and that was a wonderful miniseries uh, and I really enjoyed it it you know kind of covered that I always hate the whole glass ceiling and, and women in comics because you bring it and it seems that every editor and publisher that I know, it does, gender isn't an issue, at least it's been my experience on the outside uh, and, and as long as you bring the, the writing or drawing, they, they want you and your depth of characterization and everything you do, whether it is the five issues of Heralds or even that wonderful story in the 80-page Superman giant of Lois and Clark. Did you guys see that? Because it really is... A lot of times, like you say, you get these freelance things, and they are little stories in an anthology or something, and it I wasn't expecting it, and it absolutely knocked me out. Oh, it was so you. wonderful. It was... Lois has, like, a, the flu, and it's this wonderful Lo, Lois and Clark story where Clark is doing everything he can to be a good guy and a husband, and I almost wonder if there was a dynamic there playing uh, playing <laughs> yeah. out in, in some way. Well, Superman's not... I mean, you can talk about the big guy... Yes, because of sports history with Superman yeah. as well. Um, but I don't find him the most... I, you know, most superheroes, uh, for me, anyways, the strength of those characters is not the superheroics, right? So the strength of Patsy Walker Hellcat is not Hellcat, it's Patsy Walker. Certainly. Um, and I think part of the problem with Superman, for me, is because those two things, the Clark Kent and the Superman, they're awfully close together. Um, now, especially. Sure. Um, but also, you know, he's invincible and he's kind of boring and... You know, he's not my favorite. So, except that he was my favorite in the serials, the old serials, when he was kind of a jerk, uh, had like a really short attention span. Was a, you know, he's, he was mischievous, a bit of a child. You know, I love that iteration of, uh, of Clark Kent for sure. 
So that's what, I mean, in that story, Lois and Clark have separate beds, which was just sort of, and I know that some people looked at it and went, that's not the way it is. <laughs> just for now, you know, it's a proposition. It's just, let, let's just think about them like this for eight pages. It won't kill you. you know? and we'll, let's just see what happens, right? Well, I, I remember when I was I was drawing Superman and, and Carl Kiesel was writing. It was always Carl's idea that that uh, Clark and Lois were like Nick and Nora Charles, so that they would you know be uh, exchanging witty banter and they'd be you know for, for, there'd be double entendres and they'd be very sly together. You know, uh, Nick and Nora would have the dream, right? Uh, uh, all, the yeah, all the time. All the time. And uh, uh, and. I, I agree with you. I think that the, the, the strength of the, the characters has to do, has everything not to do with the action sequences. I mean, they're what propels the, the story and they get you from beginning to end, but what the, the meat of it inevitably is, is, you know, how these people interact with each other, what they, you know, what they mean to each other. And then a very different uh, dynamic as far as man and woman is played out in moving pictures, the, the top shelf book, but also the wonderful webcomic that they did. And Stuart, I, I should ask because, uh, and I can appreciate from it being uh, the, the web project that it was, uh, that your, your style of art obviously was, was simpler and very interesting oh. compared to your, you know, yeah. work for DC and Marvel. That other, <laughs> that, that other stuff, yeah. that pays the bill. No, but, but yeah, you know, this like an Hershey kind of tin tan tan kind of yeah, feel to it. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was it was a bit of a challenge to, to try and pick a style that I could come back to uh, intermittently uh, while working on superhero. Uh, yeah, how do you find the time to do that exactly? Well, uh, it's not just a matter of time, uh, but uh, but consistency. Because if I'm drawing one way, you know, five or six days of the week, and then this is my sort of weekend project. Uh, which, in uh, you know, a superhero style would not be appropriate sure. for the story. How do I pick something that I can do once a week and you know get up to speed on immediately, and then you know get it, get it online and get it posted, and and then uh, uh, pick the next thing, uh, uh, the next page for the next uh, the next session. Um, so uh, there were a, there were a number of iterations of, of what it was going to look like. So, Good for no, audience. Please. Good for radio. No, no, well, no, that's okay. We've got to serve both audiences. It's quite all right. Are they? They were. They were. Uh, uh, I not only did a number of sketches to, to figure out what uh, the characters would look like, you know, their body types and, and you know, uh, their clothing styles and, and settings and so on, but. Uh, and that's closer to kind of the next wavy kind of look and everything a bit. Yeah, this was, well, this was more naturalistic and it was more sort of halfway between the, where it ended up and, and what I was doing on, on mainstream uh, books. Uh, but even this, I thought, uh, you know, might be uh, more time consuming than it uh, should be just because uh, we did have a schedule. Uh, if we were going to get it done once uh, one page every week, then it would still take almost three years to, to do. Sure. Um, so there was a consistency aspect, but there was also time. And, you know, when we're publishing it online, um, uh, then there's an expectation. It's a, it is a publishing schedule, right? 
so uh, there are people that are waiting at the other end of it for the, the that page to uh, appear. And it was the same day every week. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to really achieve right. success with a webcomic sure. is to be there on time every week. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And and we find that, uh, you know, to really be successful online, it's got to be more frequent than that. But this was the, the amount of time that we had to, to spare for this and still get it. Uh, so I really had to pare things down and, and uh, you know, and I'm matter of uh, synchronicity it, it really did suit the story much better to, to have a very stripped down style with you know no ambiguity to it whatsoever well, I've got some other examples I'll scroll through here if you but I, I also wanted to show the uh, the scripts uh, the original script was was not done in a conventional comic way okay uh, where there are uh, page breakdowns and, and panel descriptions what happens in in, uh, in each key moment. Uh, so this was done more as a, a play or a movie script uh, screenplay. Um, so we spent a lot of time. Uh, uh, the collaboration time that we spent was uh, not in the, you know, me looking over the Catherine as she typed the script or her checking on the art, uh, but in the middle where we decide where the key moments should be and how much should be said in, in each panel. So you can see that these are these are heavily. Uh, um, they look like for the, my, my audio uh, audience it's yeah it's yes. like kind of diagrams and shoots it's almost like John Madden taking a, a pen out and, and you know showing you uh, exactly how the play just unfolded on a, on a football play and a big coffee thing <laughs> <laughs> well that's good that's the domestic collaboration I think that's good <laughs> at one point uh, in a matter of consistency I felt that I was getting off base with Drawing one of the main characters on the card, I thought she started to look like uh, the man the yellow hat from the Curious George. So, Captain Curious made But you can see in, the, in the, the top line of this script uh, where there are a bunch of numbers and, and lines and, and, and breakdowns, but we uh, decided that you know this one sentence uh, is actually. Uh, it looks like uh, one page, a whole page uh, of description. And so that's that's fairly unconventional, but um, but this is the kind of thing that we did throughout the, the three-year process. Um, and uh, here, here like are that. some examples of stylistic changes. Uh, the top one was the, the second-last version that, that I uh, attempted. It was very close to the, the bottom tier, which is the final uh, look of the the, uh, the strip, but even that I felt was too naturalistic and, and too soft and didn't really uh, uh, match well with the story. Uh, examples, pencils, and, and finished things. And this is the way it looked like online, in other words. Mm -hmm. But it changed quite a lot, too. And I, you know, when we first uh, started talking to uh, a couple of different publishers to see if anyone would even be interested in. Uh, having us go to print, our, our main reason for wanting to do that was because we didn't, I mean, we've published and distributed books ourselves, and we just were, uh, it's a lot of work. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I didn't want to have to build one more goddamn cardboard box. Like, I really didn't. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, you know, we were trying to talk shop, and so that was, that was really our, our, you know, that was the impulse. We just wanted someone to take the grunt work off of our hands. Uh, and the only reason I, you know, I'm telling you this story is because it just points out what, you know, complete idiots we are. Because the editorial process that we went through with Chris sure. Soros at Top Shelf was incredible, and he made it a better book. So it's not substantially different 
than uh, what was online. But it, it's you know refined and uh, cared for in some different ways. And, and it was great to talk to someone who, when it takes you three years to do something, and you're really only doing a page a week, you kind of, you know, you follow the, the small threads, but it can be very difficult to have, you know, sort of the big picture in mind. So to give it to him, um, who had never really seen this thing before, uh, this, the input that he came back to us, with which he came back to us, was uh, was extraordinary, and it made it a much, much better book. So it's a, uh, that was the, that's the reason you go to Top Shelf, you know. You know, so, have you guys, uh, show of hands, people, have you read Moving Pictures? It's it's outstanding for those who haven't, and truly seek it out at the Condes Top. I'm assuming Top Shelf has a booth. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, really go downstairs. And do you guys have signings there this yeah. weekend? We do. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And it's and it's a it's really it's a bargain too. It's fourteen ninety five. Come on. And I, you know and the wonderful thing about Chris is before he was uh, publishing Top Shelf, he did the Starros Report pre-internet, and it was a, such an invaluable newsletter for comic fans to find interesting projects. So it doesn't surprise me that this is the kind of book that you know he would love. So by all means, check it out. It's a wonderful story. The backdrop is uh, World War II and the the. Um, contraband art that the Nazis were taking it, but that's just the backdrop and it's a wonderful story and I love the juxtaposition of the fine art and your recreations of the fine art while while the, the, the storyline's going through and that's, you know, just to even choose the art to kind of have that subtext of, of what's going on. Just really, really, it's such an interesting thing. You can draw, right? Well, and you can write. I mean, that's, no, honestly, I mean, that's the thing, it truly, and you know, you're all, you you always defer, but I got to tell you honestly, you're both. It's and, a beautiful and, thing. I mean, well, just, yeah. yeah, and I know. And Stuart, I mean, I want to take them. And by the way, folks, if you have questions, um, we do want to have time for that. So please, if if you want to prepare, um, you know, I I guess there's not a microphone set up, but yeah, you know, if if you don't mind doing a line, just so we can kind of gauge, you know, questions and stuff like that. So if you're well, you're, you're do you leaner want, than do open, you want to talk about Russian all first, and yeah, actually, yeah, we'll just go before. through. Uh, so we're working on. Uh, Something new right now, so it'll be ready. I guess twenty thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Will this be through Top Shelf as well, or this has no home? Yet. Okay, yeah. okay, uh, that's certainly possible. Okay, and yeah, Russian olive uh, to Red King. To Red King. So it's uh, you know another tortured love story. Uh, I you know we've heard uh, I've heard from a, a couple of people who say you know that they're they're used to the funny. From me, and then, but I would say that this stuff, which is yeah. uh, moving pictures, uh, is best described as one long strangled inhalation. It's like uh, I'm really selling this hard, right? No, but it, uh, there's there's a wonderful tension and dynamic between this woman and this officer and in an interrogation that's going on, and and then but, you find out what's really going on between the pair of them. But it's and it's really, uh, I mean, maybe you can talk about this a, a little bit to try and do a story where. You know, action in this context means that maybe somebody, you know, gets up. Or <laughs> if, it's, if they're feeling really crazy, they'll, like, you know, take off a jacket. Like, it's just this, you know, this, like, intense clench over 140 pages um, that's almost unbearable. Uh, that was the whole sort of intention. I would love to see, and don't get me wrong, I, I, this is a wonderful book, and, and Stuart Sartre's lovely, but I could see this easily being a two-person play. And it, I think it would play so well. And it reminded me of so many other tense, and forgive me, but it's a Comic-Con audience, uh, that wonderful interrogation episode of Babylon 5 and this power struggle between these two characters that also is part of this very strained relationship that's going on in the story. 
and I don't want to tip it, but it's it's really great. And there's you know it, it's great. There's just a lot. There's a lot going on here, and it's it's such a wonderful really dense read in a good way that you'll really sink into it like a good novel and a good graphic novel in this case, clearly. But I, I think what you were hinting at was that uh, uh, it, it's so still. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on in terms of the, the character in play and in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the backstory and, and the, the layers that are being rele- uh, revealed uh, as you go through. And usually we've heard from people that they they get more out of it on the second read, which is gratifying. Absolutely. Um, but uh, for me, uh, there's so many uh, still moments in the book that when uh, an actual uh, action has to take place, it was a bit of a challenge for me to figure out a way to draw it that wouldn't seem out of place. So we can't have, you know, Jack Kirby you know, smashing through the fourth wall and, and uh, you know, Big punches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there, there's one scene which uh, the interrogator uh, loses his cool and, and uh, picks up a, a drinking glass full of water and, and smashes it on the table. And, and it seems like such a simple thing to describe, and yet we, uh, it took me, I think, almost all week to try and figure out this, uh, uh, this sequence. I think normally in comics that would be one panel, but I ended up sort of drawing around the action because I couldn't bring myself to draw this, you know, thing actually happening, emotion lines, none of that. I couldn't do it. So I actually had to draw the few moments before the hand in the air still the rock and then glass shattering as if it had happened just a few minutes before that. So uh, it ended up taking a whole page this this one thing that, that in any other conventional comic would have just been a pan. What do you want to tell us, and what can you tell us about the new story as it's uh, coming out? Will you be presenting it first online again, or is this going to be a similar kind of project? Well, that's the thing. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, happened as far as uh, my uh, contribution to movie pictures went is that, uh, as I described, I, I, uh, I did one panel a week, and, uh, and then I was doing other stuff. So I, once... When it was presented online, I don't think anybody uh, minded too much if there were inconsistencies in the art. But uh, once we had the idea that it was it, it was becoming concrete that it was going to be uh, in book form and all these pages were going to be in close contact with each other, uh, I began to really nitpick and look very carefully at, at the uh, way the art looked from the beginning to the end. It was all done, of course, sequentially. Uh, uh, because the, it was done, you know, piecemeal. Sure. Uh, one page every week for 140 weeks. Wow. Um, so uh, that's not <laughs> No, hey. Um, so uh, I, I went through the whole book and I made changes almost on, on every page to make the beginning look more like the end and make the end look more like the beginning. Because, okay. it, you know, as I sort of got to know the characters and got to know what the, the contours are to, to follow when I'm drawing them, uh, it became sort of like shorthand and I, I was finding it much easier at the end and it looked uh, sort of less constructed than it did at the beginning, so I tried to soften up the beginning to make it look like it did, uh, it was a little less, uh, like it was more effortless and at the end I tried to give it a little bit more structure like it had at the, at the beginning. So this one in comparison, uh, is just going to be pencils only for uh, 
the entire creative process okay. uh, and to avoid the problems that I had with the consistency of the pictures at the end uh, I'm just going to ink everything on uh, Russian olive at once and hopefully it'll knit itself together in a way that the, the movie picture wasn't able to. Very cool. Uh, and story-wise? Uh, yeah, it's, it's another uh, love story that uh, takes place along two, uh, two parallel timelines. Uh, Red King, um, it's uh, in an urban setting. Uh, he's trying to finish a project that's that he's not, uh, that's not going well. Um, he's avoiding phone calls, and he doesn't really speak to anyone, uh, but he talks to the dog. And all this at the same time that this is happening, uh, his girlfriend, Russian Olive, um, has been in a plane crash uh, in the northern bush. So he's you know, trying, trying to get this work done all the while not knowing what's happened to her. Um, and then it's her journey parallel uh, to his at the same time. And, and the, the big sort of issue that really starts to come up is uh, the question of whether or not she, in fact, did survive the plane crash becomes increasingly unclear. Very cool. Uh, so, you know, it's about Chekhov's tunnels that he was trying to dig to the northern island of Japan, and it's about petroglyphs, and it's about uh, not being able to write, and it's about uh, just, you know, not knowing what's happened to someone who's terribly important in your life. And, uh, so it's a barn burner. Uh, <laughs> Outstanding. It's, uh, um, so I think it's going to be good. When do you think you'll be debuting it? Uh, you know. So? Yeah, I'm not, sorry. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not your editor. I'm not your editor. Don't worry. I was, I, you, know. Uh, you know, I, I will commit to 2035. <laughs> uh, and if it comes earlier, we're like well, Apple. When we'll, we're ready. When, when, it's, when it's ready to That's hit right. the atmosphere, I expect a call and we will, uh, and we will, we will go in depth. Well, we, we certainly, with Moving Pictures, wanted to uh, impose, self-impose a deadline. Uh, so that it would get done, because Catherine had finished the script a number of years before I, I got up the speed to uh, to even begin drawing, uh, and I always said, oh, you know, when I finish this project, I'll I'll, I'll dive into it, or I'll you know I'll do it in between things, and I, it never really happened. So uh, once a number of people we knew were starting to do things online, uh, it seemed like a, a really convenient way, if not easy. Uh, to uh, to make ourselves uh, force ourselves to find the time to, to do at least a page uh, a week, but as I say, it, it still took 140 weeks, uh, which you know seems impossible at the beginning, and it seems like it will still never end once you're 120 weeks into it. Um, but uh, that that had uh, a, a lot of uh, things going for it, but uh, as I say, it. it uh, I was unhappy with the, the overall consistency. Um, so, you know, we're trying to stay on schedule uh, with this, even though uh, it doesn't have that uh, sort of audience built into it where, you know, people are, it may just be, you know, a dozen people or it may be a hundred or a thousand uh, who are looking online every Friday or whatever to, uh, to, to see the thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I've learned enough things. Okay. Uh, to uh, to be able to uh, stick on schedule, you know, with my my Marvel stuff, and, and still be able to maintain a schedule for this. It shouldn't take more than a couple. Of no worries. All right. Well, I'm sure you all have questions, and I and I'd like to get questions started. So please. Uh, John, it's great to see you. I'm very many, many hours listening to you. You're very kind, sir. Thank you. And 
Uh, definitely going to check the living pictures, but on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I was wondering uh, what we, what are the plans for next wave? Oh, there we go. Well, uh, I'll say that this weekend is the closest I've ever been to Warren Ellis in person. And I haven't met him yet. So, uh, the Warren, I, and our editor are all here. And I don't know if they've talked about it, uh, but I and the editor have talked about it. And when, uh, when the 12-issue hardcover collection came out last year, there was some talk about whether we could do a framing story or some kind of sequence that we could uh, package with that. Uh, and uh, Warren resisted it at first, so I hear, never have spoken to him, uh, and, uh, uh, but then came up with something that he wanted to do, and I said I was on board, and, and nothing ever came of it, so marketing didn't, didn't support it. Uh, Everybody who was involved with the book would die to go back onto it, but so far the budgetary concerns have not worked themselves out, and it's all you know, having to do with numbers at this point. It's that problem that seems to be unique to Marvel, where you know they've just got a number in mind. I don't know the number, and, and I'm sure it's well kept, but yeah, it's because it is. It, there are these wonderful, quirky things. The next wave was such a, an attention getter of all these C-list characters, and it was yeah. clearly the creative process that made it the important book that it was. But you know, then it's time to make the donuts, and obviously they got. Look at what Warren is writing. Look what Stewart is drawing. Look at the numbers they get on each of those projects. And you would certainly hope that there would still be time in the schedule for these kind of things to happen. We all want it. Well, I yeah, as a fan, we all want it. Clearly, someone, someone claimed that uh, basically they couldn't afford to keep you on it this was Warren and the other half of that was that he said in the same uh, you know uh, paragraph that he'd happily work for a bottle of scotch <laughs> so you know whatever uh, it sounds good but it's not true maybe we so, need to it's, it's, it's everybody put together and uh, if sales do not support a book it gets shelved so uh, there's nothing unique about about that structure. It's just the way things are. So you know, I've got to be on books that can support that. But uh, the other good thing I would say too, with anticipation, I mean, look how long we waited for Perez to do the JLA Avengers book, oh. and then when it happened, you know, no pressure, Stuart. But uh, <laughs> no, but you know, really, these things become kind JLA of JLA Avengers next week. <laughs> no, but they do. They become these kind of hotly anticipated. We want to see a new one, and maybe that kind of momentum will eventually sure. make this happen. That's so, a beautiful theory, John. Let's hope so, <laughs> sir. Hello. Uh, I was wondering with moving pictures, how much research you did and what kind of research, and how much you felt like you could rely on what people already know about World War II. Uh, well, I'll start. You, yeah. I, I, I read a lot. The, 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 the thing that started it was reading Janet Planner's uh, Paris correspondence when she was uh, Paris correspondent during the war years for New Yorker. New York Courier? Uh, no, New, New Yorker, Yorker magazine. Oh, the New Yorker, excuse me, yeah. of course. Um, so that was really great, uh, just great reading. Um, and then there was like this little moment that she, when she talked about uh, the cleaning loop that just was interesting. It's you know there's there's tons of material available uh, you can read until you you die. Um, but we did a really great panel about this exact thing uh, in Toronto at TCAF where we we're talking about history and research. And, and one thing that we all sort of agreed on was uh, the moment that you have to stop. The research or stop using the research is when you find yourself wanting to include things that your parent, your parents, your characters. Oh my God! 
Wow. There's so much. There's a couch outside. We can set up a session later. Don't worry. I was, oh, that's hilarious. There's so much I include that my parents just don't care about. But in this case, the things that your characters don't care about, uh, just because you think it's really cool or really interesting, um, your characters don't have that kind of panoptic view that you do as, a, as the creator of the work. So uh, I think you, you, know, you read and read and read and you look and look and you know, the, the, the landscape for that period of time is, is so uh, rich and richly trod and at no point did either of us think that we had anything to contribute to anybody's understanding of what happened at that moment. Um, but we had, you know, we felt we had these characters to contribute in whatever uh, context that was. And we just picked this one uh, as a backdrop to sort of try and talk about a particular kind of relationship. I'll ask quickly, though, uh, Stuart, uh, um, the new Avengers, new volume. I mean, yes. you know, yes. what? any specific choices? I mean, obviously, this is a great story. And I look forward to your interpretation of how magic is changing in the Marvel Universe. That's how Bendis has yeah, described it to me. That is definitely uh, the, the way uh, he was describing it to, to me, too. I mean, this was his impetus for bringing these particular characters together and, and, and starting off the, the storyline that the way he has. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm working in close collaboration with Wade Von Graubrazer, who's inking, and, and Laura Martin, who's uh, coloring. And uh, we, we bounced a bunch of ideas off, off, the, uh, off Brian and, and the editor uh, to try and uh, keep things consistent within the context of the, you know, the Marvel Universe as it exists. And, and Brian wants to have, uh, want to have some nods to uh, very early uh, representations of magic, i.e., you know, Ditko, sure. uh, even pre-64 stuff. So... Um, we're, we're trying to include elements like that. And, you know, I'm just trying to draw the best that I can. Well, it's not, Otherwise... It's coming through, and, and, and I love the bits of magic business we saw in this week's issue. That's I, right. I, I, I haven't you know, seen the printed version. I, I, I rushed because I knew it was coming out this week, and I knew I'd be seeing both of you, so I'm like, all right, I gotta, got to be ready. And uh, it's... No, it's fantastic. It's fresher in your mind than it is. It's, no, it's great, and it's, and it's wonderful seeing you drawing these characters that yeah. are part of the new team. It's great to see the thing on the team. You yeah. know, Hellstorm and, uh, and, you know, Doctor Strange, I'm always but, happy to see Yeah, that. what's great about Brian is that, you know, he'll, he'll see something that, that I'll have done in an offhand way and say, oh, you know, I really want to get all over that again, you know. So, you know, the thing is on the team because Brian was really jazzed about the way that I was drawing that character in other context. Absolutely. So, Doctor Strange, everybody was all over, you know, how I was doing the mustache, so. He's <laughs> <laughs> an ongoing character in the book. And Catherine got to play with the FF and Heralds, and, it, you know, and that yeah. book is fantastic. When does the trade come out, or, or hardcover? Because I know that literally the, the... I don't know. They seem to follow really quickly on the heels. Okay, because if, if you hadn't picked up the weekly issues, it's a great story. It is an event in its own way, and it's a wonderful group of characters, and you get to revisit Patsy, but it's this wonderful story involving the new Nova and uh, the, the creation of, of the character now. And uh, like I said, the FF is in there. Photon is in there. Uh, I call it Photon. Uh, Emma Frost and Cyclops are in there, and and She-Hulk, and it's it's great. It's really and it keeps moving, and it's this really big event. It's it's really great. Ma'am, I'm sorry, please. Catherine, about the Hellcat Mini. Yeah. I was really impressed by your version of Native culture and Captain Alaska that was outside of us. Oh, very cool. So, where did you get the inspiration for that? 
yeah, that's what a great question. Um, Patsy, the thing about Hellcat is that she doesn't actually have any superpowers. Not really. I mean, there was a little bit of sort of psychic training that she did with uh, Moon Dragon. Uh, I, I guess it didn't take. You know? uh, so it's a big problem with her. But because she's sort of, you know, been dead, been to hell and back, has this relationship with Damon Hellstrom, uh, there's like this sort of magic-based component to what she does. I'm not really sure what it has to do with her exactly, but it's always kind of been present in the stories uh, since she has been both avenging and defending. So uh, I, I needed to look for a, a place where she could go um, where magic would be present. Um, so, so that was that was it. So I just sort of started to look at, you know, where are places where uh, shamanic magic or whatever is still kind of extant, or is a you know present concern, or uh, is having a, an influence uh, in a day-to-day way that, in a lot of ways, is not very magical at all. It's just sort of folded into uh, a kind of worldview. So, and because it was uh, associated with the initiative, you know, we had to, you know, so I guess that was not going to be. You know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, probably. Uh, so Alaska seemed uh, right for the picking, and I, you know, I love the, the you know, the population to uh, geography, you know, people per acre ratio is very good. Um, and it just seemed like the most ridiculous idea that they thought that it would be okay to just send her, and somehow that would be sufficient. And I, and I guess it was. So, but that's what it was. It, it was trying to find something where there was a, a magic base that, you know, could be traded on, for sure. And Patsy seems to be that constant thread through a lot of your recent Marvel work, because that's even in... Uh, and that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I know, and we, we discussed it in our first Word Balloon interview. Um, it was wonderful to see her, too, in the Shamrock story, and again, wonderful uh, cameo, or not cameos, because they really were all at players in the story, in Girl Comics issue two. Um, I, I thought that was really terrific to see. And again, you, you pack so much character in, like, 11 pages? Yeah, very much. Yeah, and Shamrock com- too. Yeah, exactly. And I, awesome. yeah, she's like, yeah, hey, you're getting Shamrock. Oh, like, listen, they, I, I got the call to do that, and, and they said it can be any character you want, but we really like it to be Shamrock. And I had no idea who that was. And then she described it to me. I'm like, really? She's like a hairdresser. But you, really? you, well, right now I would say you have the definitive Shamrock story. <laughs> it's great, though. It truly is great. It's it's a great empowering story, and it's again, it's not what it needs to be on the surface, but it manages to have good action and wonderful characterization of, of a good number of Marvel women. It's great, and Colleen Coover drew it. Yeah, and awesome. Lauren uh, Sankovich uh, was the editor on Girl, Girl Comics and stuff. It's fantastic, and these are one of the good stories. Did you have one more question, yeah. sir? We're, we're near the end, so uh, if there is anybody else for a quick question after this gentleman. Catherine, uh, I was just wondering, do you have any information you share about the state of runaways? <laughs> Indeed. I wish I did. I, I don't. Uh, anything that I have to say about the runaways is just sort of my general feeling about uh, where this is at. It's not based on any... I'm just going to caveat until we're done, right? Um, it's not based on any actual information. Uh when I took over Runaways, it was the last four issues that were already on the schedule. Um, I did the best that I could to sort of make it as irresistible as possible for them to keep on with that book. Uh, I fail. I'm sorry. Well, it, oh. not, um, not from a creative standpoint, yeah, I would say, clearly. You know, but it didn't happen. And I, yeah. you know, my expectation was not that we were going to be able to pull that off because... It was uh, it was already on the bubble. Sarah so, Pichelli drawing, correct? Sarah Pichelli, yeah. Pichelli, okay. Yeah. Oh, get it 
right. And I know, shame on me. Look, I think the covers exactly. Um, yeah, so that was that was uh, that was great. We're hoping, you know, that there's been rumblings about the movie forever and a day. Um, I would think with Marvel TV as well that there's that's got to oh, be, that be awesome? that's yeah. got to be. And I mean, I've talked to Loeb, and of course he won't commit to anything. I know announcements are going to be made. I don't think any live action announcements. But yeah. come on, that thing's made for TV. Give me well, a I, you know, I hope that I hope the movie does go ahead, and I hope that that's sort of the thing uh, that will get those characters back on the schedule. I sure. think I think Marvel. I think they're having. Uh, they're just trying to figure out what those characters mean to them and where they sort of fit within, you know, the Marvel Universe. Uh, you know, my preference, of course, would be that they don't fit at all within the Marvel Universe, but that's, you know, that's a strength of the characters, but that's not a strength for the book. So, you know, they'll, hopefully they'll work it out. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Something, uh, anything in the, as again, because of the life of a freelancer, anything in the immediate future? You just wrapped up Heralds in the Girl Comics yeah, issue? Yeah, there's, uh, there are three things. Right Still now. not being announced yeah, yet. None of it's announced. Okay, no worries. It's, uh, well, but it's in the but pipeline. There is Hellcat, but it's just—it's a one shot. Oh, when is like, this? I'm gonna, well, I can't tell you. Okay. <laughs> You'd have to kill me. So irritating. No worries. Yay, though. More Hellcat. Fantastic. More Hellcat. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. With with possibly uh, the most perfect co-star for her, ever. There's going to be a great Hellcat collection coming shortly because of this body of work that you're creating for, right. so that's well, wonderful. I'm single-handedly trying to get her to take over everything. It's, it's we'll see how that goes. always a pleasure seeing it back in stored, of course, on New Avengers. That's right. Yeah, New Avengers and, and uh, Russian Olive for just about all I can juggle with this. Understood. Point. That's great. Well, continued success, guys, because it's... Always a pleasure to read and, and, and observe the art. And, uh, and it's always great, really. Go to the Top Shelf uh, booth, pick up Moving Pictures. It's a wonderful uh, collection. And they are the sweetest people. And they've always been incredibly kind to me. Uh, and I'm so happy to finally have the opportunity to have Stuart on tape. And hopefully this will have broken the ice and he'll, he'll come on the phone and we can talk even more. We didn't talk about Spider-Man. We barely talked about the DC stuff. And you're always a pleasure. And thank you so Thanks, much. John. And thank you for asking me to, to moderate. Oh, and, and Stuart, thank you for putting me in the Ultimate Spider-Man as Principal Suntress, That's which right. is ridiculously nice. So thank you. And thank you for coming. Thank today. you. Thank you. This final bit is a Marvel press conference from, uh, is this August? I want to catch the date. August 30th, 2012 is when I'm posting it. And uh, this was, again, a great conversation. Uh, really, a, again, a press conference. Catherine Immerman's new gig as the writer for Journey into Mystery, starring Sif. Uh, she's also joined by uh, the great editor, Lauren Sankovich. Sanko, they both field reporter questions about the new direction of Journey into Mystery as Sif took the spotlight. So uh, let's wrap things up with our Catherine Immerman retrospective. Uh, she and Lauren Sankovich addressing the press in this Marvel press conference on Word Balloon. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Marvel Next Big Thing call. Uh, today we are talking about Journey into Mystery, issue 646, uh, where Catherine Immerman will be taking over the book. Um, and we have her on the line as well as uh, her editor, Lauren Sankovich. Hi. And, and uh, with that, we'll just sort of jump right into it. Um, so, Catherine, why don't you uh, tell us a bit about uh, what your plans are for the book, who your lead character is, and, and we'll go from there. We should uh, let Lauren tell you who the lead character is because it's, uh, it was her amazing idea. But, uh, no, I don't like to brag, but... Uh, <laughs> go ahead. 
Uh, I um, obviously have been the editor on Journey into Mystery, and uh, with issue 645, um, Kieran Gillen's run will be coming to an end. And, um, you know, we had a, a nice Loki-centric book, and we kind of ran around Asgard and, um, and other realms magical uh, during his tenure. And um, going forward uh, with 646, we really wanted to um, kind of mix it up a little bit and... Um, and and uh, try a, a new focus, like refo refocus the book, and um, but still keep the same you know level ex of excitement and and character drama and um, you know sheer fun that we that the the book has has come to um, that people have come to expect from the book. Um, so naturally, um, Catherine was a pretty was top of my list as uh, people who um, uh, you know had a, a a good a good handle on on uh, on character and. Um, you know, keeping things interesting, maybe with a slight quirk, um, but, uh, you know, telling um, uh, compelling, exciting stories. Uh, and so with that, I, uh, I wanted to, uh, uh, I decided to go with the book um, using uh, Sif, the, the Lady Sif, as our, um, as our focus for, uh, for the book going forward. Um, she is, uh, she's been a mainstay uh, in, in Asgard. She's, um, you know, she's kind of worked with all the greats, Right uh, with with Thor, the Warriors Three, and 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 Heimdall, Odin, uh, you you name it, she's been there. Uh, Sif's been in the thick of it. Uh, she's a she's a warrior born. She's um, uh, and uh, she's uh, got a lot of a lot of uh, fight and, and and verve and fire to her. Um, and so uh, yes. you know, when happens, so sorry. I'd, please go ahead if I'm if I'm cutting you off. Yeah, no, that's actually it's a that's a great introduction because you and I, you know, we talked at length about, you know, what the story could be and uh, what the what her her story could be, and it it all came down to you, know, you asked after we'd spoken around in circles, I think, uh, for some time, it came down to one central question, which is uh, a question for every character, which which is what does she want, and I think for Sif, above all, what she wants is to. Uh, to be a better warrior, and how far would she go? And you know, in doing that on that journey, she she makes a lot of great decisions, and everything turns out perfectly. <laughs> um, uh, she makes some terrible decisions, uh, and things. She puts a lot of people uh, in peril. And I think the other really interesting thing about her, for me, is that she's often, if not inter, but if not defined, then at least introduced by these two other relationships. So she's the consort of Thor and she's the sister of Heimdall, except, you know, Thor is prone to extended day trips and Heimdall is, you know, largely absent in her life. I don't know if we've ever uh, seen them in the same room together. So she's kind of defined by this sort of absence, which I find uh, really interesting. So it was pretty easy to put her on a, a journey of self-discovery. Cool. Great. So, do um, you want to tell us a little bit about your first arc and sort of where it'll take us in those uh, first couple issues? Yeah, I, you know, it's uh, in the same way that I, you know, the, the territory is so vast and there's so many characters that you can play with and so many worlds. At the same time, you know, in, in the same way that you don't really want to stray from Earth too much, we don't really want to stray away uh, from her very much at all. So, uh, you know, what, what I said previously is basically what it amounts to is it's uh, she wants to be a better warrior and she goes trying to find that thing that's 
going to help her do that. Uh, and in the process, um, it all goes terribly, terribly wrong. In fact, you might even say things go berserk. In <laughs> fact, you might. Mm-hmm. There's a... Uh, 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 as 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 some of you may have may, may uh, are already familiar with, uh, Thor has a history of um, having you know conquered or or used different spells that have been passed on to him from his father, from Odin. Uh, one of which is the uh, Berserker spell, which has been um, kind of famous uh, slash infamous in the history uh, and the annals of of Asgard and the Nine Realms. And um, this is something that Sif sees as potentially a way for her to kind of transcend, maybe, and to, to become kind of this ultimate warrior, except without all the confetti. <laughs> <laughs> and, and James has this sad look on his face. What? No face paint? I mean, I, I'm not going to not promise that, James. Uh, but that there's, um, that, that, that this might be um, a, uh, a, a key for her to, to look into, except that, um, you know, with every, with every spell, as we all know, there's, um, there's, there are consequences um, for the, the actions that you take, and um, going berserk is kind of a big thing. <laughs> kind of a, especially when you have the power, the power of an Asgardian. Right. Yeah, can we expect any familiar faces to pop up? Oh, that's always such a terrible question. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I I will say that. Um, I think that we have looked at the archives of uh, Asgard and also Journey into Mystery in a way uh, that has never been done before. And it's uh, the results, I think, are kind of mental, actually. Um, so, yes, yeah, familiar faces, but I don't think any that anybody would actually expect. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... Um... No, it's it's definitely not going to be a, a, a straight line, <laughs> for sure. But, uh, but yeah, they are all uh, familiar faces from Journey into Mystery, for sure. All right. Cool. And then, uh, you know, before we get to, to press questions, um, you know, what you mentioned before that, uh, you know, just the, the setting and, and the surroundings of Asgard, uh, you know, leave, leave it open for, you know, a world of adventures. Um, sure. What it, what about it? Or, you know, are you having sort of the most fun with you know with with Asgard as your backdrop? I I think you know completely spoiled for choice. I, for me, what uh, <laughs> I think when you've got costumed heroes, right? They in a way the the conflicts or their conflicts are uh, they're sort of physically manifested, right? You've got you've almost got two characters that can learn from each other when you've got uh, the um, when you've got the costume. What's most interesting for me about uh, the Asgardians is this kind of inevitability about them. It's like everything that they are and everything that uh, all their conflicts are manifested within the one character. I think that part of the challenge of that can be that it can tend to sort of internalize the conflicts. But in some ways because they don't have these alter egos, it's they're almost more human uh, in and of themselves, which makes them more interesting to write. That's my short answer. That's what's cool about Asgard. Nice. Cool. All right. With that, we'll get to some first questions. Um, Josie at CBR, you're first up. Uh, fantastic. Um, well, it's great to talk to you, Catherine. 
Um, now, you've mentioned, obviously, um, a lot of the reasons why you really wanted to sort of take on SIF, um, but sort of um, with this, what's, what's sort of your, your take on her? Is it just completely that she's sort of a warrior or really focusing on that, or is she sort of a, a wider character who's sort of pulling on uh, other parts of the character that we've seen in sort of other stories and versions before? I think she's pretty, uh, well, I mean, any character is only as complicated as the person who's right in them, right? But I don't think that she's just a warrior. In some ways, I feel like uh, we've often seen her leading the charge, but not actually having to be in charge. Um, I kind of liken her, and this is going to sound terrible, but just bear with me. She's kind of like my dog. Uh, and my dog is this really uh, committed hound dog. And he he's very committed to his pack, but when he goes, just assumes that you're right behind him with all the energy and enthusiasm that he has for whatever he's after. And I feel like Sif is the same way, but she just leaps and she never looks back. She just assumes that everyone else is as committed to the cause as she is. And if it turns out they're not, she's not really too bothered because it's just sort of more for her. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, and there's an element of ego in that for sure. I think the other thing that's, that I find kind of interesting, and this is maybe more peripheral, but it, it's floating around for me, is that I see a similarity with her, with Loki, and I, I hope no one is audibly wincing, um, because neither of them can ever be Thor. Uh, and I think that's maybe more important, uh, has more effect on her than even she would admit. So you've got someone who has been trained up as a warrior, has told that she can be anything, has certainly proven herself to be capable of anything, but in the final analysis, at the end of the day, she, like Loki, will never be Thor. So it's a matter of finding out, you know, how, how is she enough without that? Paul, I found like uh, I know this is sometimes it's usually tricky with the, you know, the early covers and everything before a series starts, but um, would it be worthwhile to, to look at the, the new cover that we've got and maybe talk about some of the, the, the symbolism there, some of the imagery? Um, we've got Sith coming out of a book and some other figures in the background. Is, is there anything in that that we could you know, point to some of the, the stuff coming up in the first storyline? Um, I haven't seen it. I don't actually... <laughs> Okay, sorry. Sounds really cool. Yes, that's my fault. Uh, it's really you know, intimidating. My desktop. Uh, no, the uh, so the the kind of the cover concept is uh, like you said. They've got Sif, and she's you know you know coming out strong with her with her swords and kind of her her her, her warrior stance out of out of a book that's also kind of um, uh, throwing out a couple other a couple additional images. You've got to. You know, a, 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 a frost giant monster. You've got um, you've got an, an Asgardian warrior that looks a little crazy-eyed, and uh, and some kind of nine realms creatures um, that have kind of come out of that. And so, kind of the more generally, it's, a, it's a kind of the metaphor for uh, for Journey to Mystery that this is um, that this is the kind of the story of the nine realms. That it's you know it's that it's it's anchored in Asgard, but that it's got kind of uh, tendrils that reach to 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 any of these places. Um, and that um, there's kind of the opportunity for, for stories to be told throughout those nine realms. And that for this particular instance, um, we've kind of got Sif grounding the whole thing, that she's, she's more or less kind of leading the charge of, 
of, of where we're going for this for this next arc. All right, uh, Eric, IGN. Uh, speaking more about art, do you guys have a uh, artist lined up? We do. Um, his name is Valerio Schitti. Uh He's um, an Italian artist, um, a, a young guy that's uh, up and coming. And um, alas, I have no uh, preview art for you just yet. But uh, but that but fear not, it will be forthcoming. Um, he's a lot of fun. Um, does some. Uh, as Catherine and I were, were looking at his uh, his website and um, commenting that he does some really great beasties. <laughs> so really wonderful so, uh, animal people and uh, and the just like there's like just uh, a lot of life uh, to his characters and kind of sweeping landscapes and um, just very exciting uh, very exciting um, uh, art and um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to his uh, him making a big splash here here at Marvel. Awesome, thank you, Sirak, I nine. I was curious if there's any uh, classic runs on Thor, you know. Um, any- that you possibly be drawing from maybe something Walt Simonson or something like that? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily uh, say uh, past Thor stories. Um, no, not not directly. And I think part of that is uh, is maybe because you know, Sif herself is uh, she's been you know an ancillary character, important but ancillary uh, in so many ways. Uh, and I think there's a lot. Uh, a lot of her that's completely unexplored. So I'm not, uh, I'm not really looking to look uh, backwards or to call back to uh, previous Thor story arcs in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert, who's Hi guys. Um, I'm just kind of curious uh, since Marvel has, you know, especially recently had some pretty clever tie-ins between Marvel Studios and Marvel Publishing, and now we have Sif in a starring role. Um, does that indicate in any way that maybe the character might have a, a larger role in uh, the new Thor movie, or is there any type of uh, synergy at work, or am I just kind of leaping to conclusions? Well, as of right now, um, we're doing Sif because um, we think she's pretty great, <laughs> honestly. Um, <laughs> we're looking for a, a character that um, you know had a point of view and that um, was exciting and could take us in a, a in a new uh, fun direction with the book itself um, that we could. Um, you know that she's, you know she's got a lot of excitement to her, and that she's uh, she's a doer, she's an adventurer, um, and, you know that that can um, that can kind of lead this title to its next uh, to its next chapter. Okay. And if Marvel Studios wants to do something based on my book, I have no problem with that. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right, uh, John, word balloon. Well, Albert took my first question there, honestly, because yeah, I was wondering with the next movie coming out. If there is any, I guess I can build on that and ask uh, beyond Sith and really the direction for Journey into Mystery with another Thor Thor movie coming up, uh, how much of the atmosphere specifically from the movie might dictate what we see in Journey into Mystery coming forward, Lauren? As of right now, um, we're just kind of committed to telling um, a a kick-ass Sith story. Um, whether or not there are actual actual elements from the next Thor movie that trickle in remains to be seen. So. All right, uh, Marvel.com. Hey, Catherine. I was wondering if um, you were approaching this in a way similar to what Kieran did with his run on Journey into Mystery, where he really sort of had one larger overarching story that spanned his entire run, or if you were sort of looking at just telling uh, sort of more loosely connected arcs? 
I'm going to go stand on my head because that question wasn't difficult enough to answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love what Karen did uh, in those 23 issues. Having said that, uh, you know, to, to follow on, you know, you looking at something sort of issue by issue, and this is really sort of a like a new a new arc for the for the book. So to follow on something that was you know planned and played out over 23 issues, uh, I would be you know it would be disingenuous of me to say that I wasn't it wasn't uh, daunting. Uh, I love the tone of uh, what he did. Um, uh, I even love the excess of, of prose in places. Uh, <laughs> Purple, positively mauve. Yeah. Um, I really, it was a, such a great read. Uh, having said that, you know, my hope, uh, my fervent hope, is to you know, follow with the same kind of spirit, really sort of spirit of adventure that I think that, that book embodied. And we're looking at this fifth story as a, a first arc. Um, there is not a 20 issue arc currently planned out, you know, like I, that's not, uh, that's not where we're headed. And I think it would be foolish for me to think that uh, that would be possible. Cool. All right. We'll go around one more time and, uh, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, Josie, we're back to you. Uh, great. Um, well, sort of going off of that, like you said, um, uh, uh, Gillen's arc has had a lot of uh, 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 purple prose going on and, and it's uh, very sort of uh, Is that something that you feel that you sort of want to keep that tonally, or or what sort of tone do you want to sort of set with your SIF story and your arcs? Um, you know, for me, you know, uh, for me, I always want to write a book that I want to read, and I like to read comics where there's lots to read. Uh, having said that, uh, this is a very uh, I think Lauren and I are both determined that there's a lot of uh, kicking ass and not really taking a lot of names in this one. Uh, it, she's she's a, she's an action hero. She's a fighter uh, in a way that you know Loki is not. So you know fundamentally, there's a difference between the way these two characters approach their interactions uh, with the world. Typically, I would say uh, maybe what I do a little bit differently than other people is that I don't use the talking to get to the fighting. I use the fighting uh, to get to the talking. So that's uh, that's where I'm at with that. I don't know if that answers your question. But no, I mean, I mean, it would be ridiculous for me to say that I wanted to write, and a waste of everybody's time, I think, uh, to say that I wanted to try and copy what, what Kieran did. Um, but certainly I love the spirit of those books, and that's what we're trying to, to hang on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most most definitely the kind of the, the the spirit of of adventure and um and kind of the this fantastical realm that that Karen played with um with with yeah, Asgard yeah. and going to other world and and uh and and the interactions with the, the serpent from here itself and and kind of just all of this this mythology that he played around with um you know it's uh, it's it's all it's been there you know since the Lee Kirby days. Uh, and um, we'd like to kind of really just sink our sink our teeth into it and play around with the, this um, this really rich landscape that we've got, and um, 
you know, and have fun with these characters that we've come to to know and love, and and hopefully get give you give the reader some some insight into um, into characters maybe that have been more uh, that haven't had a chance to shine um, more recently. So, well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Albert, hello, um, Catherine. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear your take on Sif, and it sounds like. Uh, basically um, sort of your outlook, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that sort of there's sort of a lot of room for interpretation and exploring with the character who has been kind of defined as a supporting character and for her relationship to herself. I mean, do you see if there's a lot of room there for you to kind of uh, to add sort of new layers and kind of uh, figure out maybe more of who she is than, than we've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, it's kind of... Uh... It would be sad if that was not the case, I think. Um, I think she is really uh, interesting and unusual. Um, You know, and if the only thing that was unexplained uh, for her, even if the only thing that that was missing was this relationship with her brother, I mean, even that in and of itself is kind of a a transformational uh, moment uh, the sibling relationship for any character, you know. So that's just the beginning. So much more than that. Uh, John, where's Blue? Catherine, you uh, explored a lot of uh, North uh, American uh, mythology in your Hellcat run. Um, did you find new uh, Norse mythology to play with that you might feel isn't uh, territory that's been you know used before? Yeah, it gets, I mean, you know, as well as anybody, it gets so complicated uh, because, uh, you know, the the Marvel Norse mythology plays so fast and loose with um, what is, you know, extant, which in and of itself, I think, is uh, sometimes conflicting and contradictory. I think, if anything, the influence is that there's this kind of, I have this general feeling uh, with this story and looking at these characters' interactions, it's kind of underpinned by this idea, uh, perhaps, that there are things that are even more ancient um, than than we know about, right? So the knowledge goes even deeper and is more ancient and possibly more dangerous. Um, so I think it's I think it's very challenging to try and you know you, you see names in the in the Marvel use for Norse gods or whatever, and you go and look them up, and it's something completely different. So I think that's yep. very challenging uh, territory that way. Having said that, I will tell you that last night I had a dream that Michael Douglas, <laughs> written, uh, he wrote, directed, and performed a one-man play called Scourge! Exclamation <laughs> point. I like it. <laughs> Well, last night it was great. This morning I'm looking for who to blame. So. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, Marvel.com. Hey, Catherine. Uh, you've been playing a lot of emphasis on sort of the action of all this, so I was wondering who and what might we see Sif uh, going up against in the series? Lots of monsters. Um, but she also uh, you know, falls in uh, with a group of guys, um, and they have a very unusual relationship. Yes, let's just say they're um, unemancipated is the word that Catherine used. <laughs> she uh, she finds herself with a with a group of uh, fellow warriors who um, 
who have a little different outlook on um, on what's uh, right and proper for uh, they're a little they're, they're a little out of touch. Yeah, <laughs> a little out of touch. So she finds herself uh, in the course of all of this, and you know, uh, in uh, her trying to kind of make herself a better warrior, um, she gets into a whole lot of trouble, whole mess of trouble. And um, and ends up falling in with this group of this group of guys um, that really just uh, test what you know, what she how she sees herself and um, and and what she and how she wants to um, kind of comport herself uh, going forward. Um, so like really um, forcing her to see herself through through a new lens and to kind of reevaluate what she's what she's all about. And and lots of monsters. Lots and lots of monsters. Cool. Oh, we're writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> Taking notes, are we? That sounds great. <laughs> I aim to please. I, I really do. It's true. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, Journey into Mystery 646, hitting comic shops everywhere uh, this November. Um, Catherine Lauren, thanks for taking the time to chat with everyone. And... Uh, We'll talk to you guys next time. So there you go. Uh, good luck, Catherine. I uh, love talking to you and uh, hope that it's uh, not going to take uh, six years before our next conversation. I'm sorry that I haven't talked to her recently, or Stuart for that matter. Great people. And uh, really happy to, uh, I'll, you know, that they are uh, finding time and can take some time off to kind of explore other things. I hope it's not the last we hear from them as far as their comic book work go. They're both excellent, and uh, I'm really looking forward to whatever new projects they may have in the future. So uh, enjoy the break, Catherine. We'll talk to you soon. Hope you enjoyed today's Word Balloon. It was brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, again, for your continued support uh, right here at WordBalloon.com via Patreon. So uh, if you want to help the cause out, uh, you can go to Patreon.com slash WordBalloon or uh, click through the link of the uh, Patreon ad that's on the front page of WordBalloon.com. But thanks again, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Check out great Catherine Immerman projects like uh, Captain America, Peggy Carter, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one. This is uh, an excellent uh, book that she did with uh, Ramon Perez. It's 104 pages, and it covers uh, Peggy Carter's days uh, during the Resistance as Agent 13. Uh, it's 104 pages, 42% off. It's just $4.63. You can also get things like Amazing X-Men Trade Paperback Volume 2, World War Wendigo. This is uh, Catherine doing some great work with Paco Medina. It's uh, an excellent trade, 136 pages, 42% off, $10.43. Explore things like uh, Wolverine and Jubilee, The Curse of the Mutants, uh, this was uh, Catherine and Chris Claremont doing the writing, Phil Noto and Mark Silvestri doing the art, 42% off, $11.59. She gets, she goes deep with a lot of these characters, man. Runaways, homeschooling. This is Catherine and C.B. Sabolsky, also uh, Sarah Pacelli doing great work, 42% off, $8.69. Check it out for yourself. You'll find great Catherine Immerman books at great prices at InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening. I'm releasing another episode featuring uh, a little more concentration on Stuart. We heard him in the San Diego Comic-Con Spotlight panel, but uh, I had some great one-on-ones with Stuart, and I will present those to you on another episode dropping today, celebrating the Immamins as uh, they take a break from comics. 
So this is nice. I like this kind of tribute versus the ones where, unfortunately, somebody passes away or has some sort of hardship. So uh, in, instead, we get to uh, celebrate them and uh, their choice to step away and uh, pursue some other things for a while. One of the great comic book power couples, Stuart and Catherine Immerman. Uh, again, I'll be uh, talking about Stuart on another episode of Word Balloon that's dropping today. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.